0: Champion again. Plus, Raw has one finish for every single match, and Tales from the Territories is right around the corner to give us some classic wrestling to look forward to. To join me in talking about all this and so much more, if we stay on the freaking air, Hawaiian Brian, the podcasting lion, the king of the Arcadian Vanguard Podcast Network, Mister Co-host, you, the only man that can find a corner in a silo. The great Brian Last, everybody. Aloha, Jim. A pleasure to be here once again. I believe we
1: will (laughs) still be on the air for the remainder of this show, but who knows what will happen in the future? Well,
0: I don't know what will happen in the next five minutes. I'm going to out you here, you club-footed Go Fight Live executive you. You knocked me off the air when I was doing my, my opening, my preamble. You hit the wrong buttons what you did. I'm marking it down today, here, the red-letter day that Brian Last actually finally made a mistake that I can hold over your head for the next That's not the way 15 or 20 years until you make another mistake.
1: That's not the way I remember it. You were saying some awful things, just really mean-spirited, xenophobic, just horrible yeah. things. I cut the recording and I said, uh... That's
0: why you turned your own power off. <laughs> That's exactly it. I was so disgusted <laughs> hey, by so your disgusting. behavior. You <laughs> said, "Fuck it to the whole house." I'm gonna throw the master switch. <laughs> uh, well, now you found out what you can do that you didn't know you could do that way uh, before. I just had a, an emergency around here—a power, a current, a uh, fucking electric issue—and I was standing on my head in a deep freezer for about half an hour before we went on the air here today or this morning this afternoon what time is it if i don't see you again good evening i you know i've had the work going on the remodeling and they've been there's no power to the back two rooms that are being remodeled cuz we we changed everything down to the plugs and everything and the power still cut off until the electrician comes back and does all of the things that he does so they've been running these the power tools and the saws and the table saw and all this stuff off one outlet, out there or the outside outlets—they're apparently connected to the garage. And some way or another, something over the past couple of days that was plugged in tripped the daggum, not the circuit breaker, but you know the little reset button you've got those on on your plugs and one in every room that will. Turn all your plugs off. You know what I'm talking about. Of course, yeah. The technical thing. It tripped that. My garage plugs were off. Now, the garage lights still work. Garage door openers still work. Just the plugs themselves. And I found out about this when I went out to put something in the freezer. In the freezer in the garage. <laughs> when I opened it up and it wasn't frozen anymore. It was a big bunch of soggy boxes of Omaha steaks, and there was about two inches of water in the bottom of everything. Oh, man. um, Because it had been off for two or three days, and we didn't know about it. And thankfully, none of the the high-priced items, the the meat of the matter, so to speak, that's all inside the house. We had just cleaned everything out, and we were going to restock on some things, but I had to get in there, and God, now there's there's not supposed to be water in the bottom of the freezer. And so if I'm now I've turned the plugs back on, I've hit the reset button that I didn't know was unset, but now it's going to freeze, I'll be able to go ice skating in the bottom of the freezer, right? Two inches of fucking water. So I have to bail. You know, they ought to make some kind of drain apparatus for something like that. I can't imagine this the first time this has ever happened. But I had to bale the water out and put towels in there and sop it all up and wipe everything back out. And then, thankfully, most importantly, we saved Harley's food from Ollie and my five pounds of Provel cheese from Emo's Pizza. But everything else pretty much had to go. Of course, that was wrapped very carefully, like all important valuable items are. Have you ever spent half an hour standing on your head in a deep freezer in a garage? No, haven't done that. I did worry about my freezer in the garage
1: the other day when we lost power, but luckily everything stayed pretty cold because it was shut the whole
0: time and came back on the power pretty quickly. Well, thank you for that report. See, at least I gave you some more details. There was really nothing happened in that I have ice cream, I had. have lots of Italian ices, lots of Omaha
1: steak, <laughs> lots of Nathan's french fries. A packed, Nathan's
0: french fries? A packed outside freezer, yes. You get them in the grocery freezer section. I did, they not down here, you don't. I've never seen Nathan's french fries, I'll tell up. you, what we just got, they don't have it here in Louisville, but I guess there's a lot of hot dog eaters over in, in Versailles, because... Stay stopped by the grocery store over in Versailles and son of a gun, the giant quarter pound Nathan's hot dogs, the big ones, not the little teeny tiny ones that as mama Cornette would say, are just enough to piss you off that just disappear in a bun. But the big ones that stick out about an inch and a half from each end out of the bun. And they're about as big around as Andre the giant's middle finger and plump and filled with goodness along with fat and sodium but they taste good well nathan's hot dogs are great of course our
1: friends at omaha steaks make fantastic hot dogs we'll be telling you more about in the weeks ahead but going back to those french fries
0: well i just mentioned it's not i'm not goddamn married to either brand i'm not maligning the sponsor here thankfully i'd already eaten the omaha steaks wieners and didn't have them in the freezer
1: Thankfully, the French fries are not a competitive product, so we could talk about those. Have you ever had Nathan's French fries? And and,
0: and as a matter, yes, and and I didn't know they had them frozen. But also, as a matter of fact, I'll have you know that I had to play taps over some of the fine Omaha steaks uh, of scalloped potato side dishes. They got soggy. They were they were waterlogged in this chaos that happened. You played taps on your trumpet. Dun dun dun. <laughs> dun 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 It's a very sad song. But yeah, we don't need to be sad here today. I will talk about some sad wrestling here shortly, but I talking about celebratory things. I mentioned on the drive-thru, I was gonna wait and bring this up. It was a developing situation. I want to thank several people for some fine, fine birthday gifts. I will not. I'll not even tell the people what you got me because it's just it was a massive amount of sucking up that you were doing to get me an opulent present like that. And I don't want to embarrass you. But it was very nice. Thank you. It was no sucking up. It was lunch money. Well, goddamn, where do you have lunch? They saw you coming. (laughs) You're paying that much for fucking. You can't eat that much. Yes, you can you can I can you can't well I could try you're a, you're a fine fit specimen you're in fighting fit fighting for air and fit for nothing uh I do want to recognize though Joni Airy, she always does it from out in Washington State she sent me a celebratory cake a do it yourself do it yourself assemble type of cake because she works in a cake dispensary um <laughs> And she also <laughs> she also included some treats for Harley and various things, but in the package, two programs from Tacoma, Washington, from 1952, that were given to her by actually her father by a friend of his, and and Lord knows where these things have. The history they've seen, but one of the main events, gorgeous George versus Frank Stojak in Tacoma, Washington. Wow. 52? Wow. That's cool. Um, Donna DiGiacomo sent me Breaking Bad season one because she heard me, heard you browbeating me. It's another one of these television shows that I have not seen. So as soon as I get time to watch some TV, I got that now. Are you more likely to watch it now that it's on DVD? Now you have it on DVD, I should say. Uh, I was about to say that I have It's Yeah, I'm more likely to watch it now that I have it than when I didn't fucking have it. It's available it. anywhere, everywhere at all times. Goddamn, so is Pussy, but I ain't had a lot of that lately. <laughs> what channel the- are you watching for that? <laughs> I don't know. But- <laughs> I'm kidding, Stace, don't get mad. Yours doesn't I'm not talking about any unauthorized um. <laughs> Also, we're going to <laughs> see this. Is, I needed to get I needed to get in a better mood because you know things you had going on, things I've had going on this week. Holy mackerel! Um, Brandon and Aiden over at Galaxy VR Arcade in Michigan sent uh, custom T-shirts. Glue one of, of of little Harley Quinn with the bows in her hair. Uh, my neighbor in the back, stunning Steve Bradshaw, the raccoon hunter extraordinaire. Uh, dropped me off a package of Sprite Zero and a nice coffee mug, even though I don't drink coffee. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna put something in this mug because it has a picture of the the raccoon army that he's been battling from my backyard. The raccoons are slowly taking my mind. And John fell in Baltimore. Of course he did every day. I don't know why we don't wrap him in bubble wrap by now, but he sent a gift box that was an embarrassment of riches because actually, since they were close together, there was a couple things in there for Stace's birthday also. But the book that he sent, the 10-cent plague about the comic book scandal of the 50s, Seduction of the Innocent by Frederick Wortham, and the turmoil that that started in the comic book industry that led to the Comics Code Authority when they took all the... Sax and violins out of comic books in 1954, and also a framed picture, a framed reproduction of the cover of the Incredible Hulk number one, with my face superimposed over Doctor Bruce Banner, which is going up in the office. You wouldn't like me when I'm angry, Brian. I don't know if I've ever told you that or not.
1: I want to thank John Fell for what he sent over here too. He sent a very nice package of stuff I've been meaning to get to him.
0: Thank you, John. What are your thoughts on Gray Hulk versus Green Hulk? Well, the Green Hulk is more established, obviously, but the Gray Hulk, just because of that iconic cover and that being the original, you know, the the first issue, you know, it has, it's that, uh, it's that little, they've actually, now it was a smart, marketing strategy, even though they didn't do it on purpose, because now they actually have Hulk statues in green and in gray, so you have to buy two to complete your your set. But it was actually just because the printer fucked up in issue number one and did the wrong thing. What did you think of the original look of Iron Man? You know, actually, that was more... It was more clunky, but it was more realistic back then because, you know, 1963, they're th- how are they going to build this fucking suit that can do all these things? Well, I guess they'd have room for a lot of transistors and all these newfangled space-age gadgets they had back in 63 in that bulky suit, but, you know, it, it, it sleekened up fairly quick. If they'd have made the, in the first movie, though, with Robert Downey Jr., I think that should have been his first outfit, and then it he get about fifteen feet off the ground and it fall apart. And maybe he, you know, he used a piece from a coffee maker or something. And then he gets the good one. I don't know.
1: You are a capable wrestling booker and you are knowledgeable about comics. Do you think you do well either writing a comic or helping with the script of a comic movie? Do you think you
0: know it that well? No. Again everybody stick to your goddamn strengths and acknowledge your weaknesses. And just because you watch a TV show or read a series of just because I, I used to read the Hardy boys when I was 12 doesn't mean I can write one. You need to be a mid thirties fucking goof from Cucamonga to be able to write for the Hardy boys. Um, no, just because I, I mean with behind the curtain, the, Incredible graphic novel from IDW Comics that I am on the cover of. It is on sale at jimcornett.com. The stories were mine. I told the stories, but it was of, uh, you know, the the professional team, the artist Brandon, and and the, the the whole comic team that put the thing together, uh, or the writer, I should say, Brandon. Let me try that again. And the, the team that put the thing together. That were experienced in laying it out for a comic book or graphic novel format. Or, you know, writing a script for a television show is different than writing a script for a movie, which is different than writing a short story, which is different than booking fucking wrestling. Although everybody now booking wrestling tries to be Shakespeare instead of Eddie Graham, but it's different formats. So, I'd, you know, I would contribute stories, but I would want someone with experience to convert them to whatever format or platform we were on. Does that make any sense? It makes sense. We'll see. Maybe they'll consult you on the Rawhide
1: Kid movie when they do that.
0: Hey, I'll tell you what. I got a no prize one time for catching uh, Stan and, and the gang in a uh, an error, a continuity error, as they say. Um. Anyway, uh, speaking of continuity errors, I'm going to have an error in my continuity for about the next six weeks or so because the, the action figure Armageddon continues. Things have slowed down somewhat since the chaos of the weekend, but obviously the orders are piling in of the pink and red Raw debut variant action figure the official brand new figure from figures toys we have a little over 400 of those remaining it was a little under 500 i think when we did the show a couple of days ago and with santa corny there's less than half of them left so he he may make it to halloween i don't know but i wouldn't hold out hope for thanksgiving and christmas but as we know both of these fine official variants come with glasses, microphone, and tennis racket. And the Santa Corny red and green variant, the brand new design, comes complete with a jaunty Santa hat. And for everybody who's already got skin in this game, who made the the majority of the first 72 uh, hours of orders came in on Saturday, obviously. And now that the Feather Bottoms have this incredible system they've set up. Not only are we going to be able to keep current with any non-figure orders, if you want a t-shirt, if you want an autographed picture of me, those are going to be staying current. Those will go out time to receive those in like a week or two. For the folks who have ordered figures, I've already started. We've got the first hundred or so laid out, signed, and ready to box. And we're going to work on everything that was ordered on Saturday, September 17th first to give the people who stood in line figuratively, virtually or whatever, and jumped in right at the on sale date. We're going to reward them when we get all the, and there were about 750 individual orders on Saturday, the 17th. So it's not like I'm going to do this in an afternoon, but, over the next hopefully 3 weeks or so we will knock that out and then we will be applying ourselves to the others and we're going to be trying to go somewhat in order there as well so don't feel like well I'll just wait 4 weeks and then order because then I'm going to be backed up again so if you want something get your order in but we are tackling this in an orderly uh uh fashion and the first mailing will be happening by the middle of this week, which will probably be about 150 or 200 packages headed out. jimcornet.com Is this your show? No, this is oh, your show. Oh, fuck. Oh, fuck. God damn it. I'm what riding it- shotgun. <clears throat> now, you're riding shotgun. That's right. You're the driver. I use, no, riding, Writing. I used to write shotgun. I hated every minute of it. Now you're riding shotgun. Well then shoot me off the off the buckboard here so we don't have to go through with all this. Hey, there's a big new show coming up, though. There certainly is. And you may have heard about it, and we haven't talked about it here because I didn't realize that we were this close to October the 4th, because I'm in this time warp. But another uh program on Vice TV from the creators of the Dark Side of the Ring and the Rocks Production Company, Tales from the Territories, and that premieres on Tuesday, October fourth, on Vice TV at ten o'clock Eastern Time, ten p.m., not a.m. Obviously, it's not it's not morning talk, but this is going to be um a different kind of program than Dark Side of the Ring has been, where they're not covering some particular uh, subject or tragedy or happening or whatever. It's actually as the Name implies tales from the territories where they've gotten uh, uh, several guys that worked a particular territory to engage in a roundtable discussion and just tell some of the stories. And there will be some reenactments and there's also going to be a lot of great B-roll and graphic stuff. More than that, more on that in a minute, but. I know some people are going to say, are you on, are you in the round table? No, I'm not on the round tables because they didn't do the round tables in Louisville, Kentucky. And even if I wanted to leave town, I haven't had time, but I have shot some footage for the, the series on historical, uh, uh you know, perspective on things and background. Uh, they were down here, uh, a few weeks ago and shot some of that stuff, but also, Uh, I've given Evan and Jason, Evan Husney and Jason Eisner, who, by the way, will be on next week's Jim Cornette experience, which is uh, the weekend before the debut episode. But I gave them some cool video, especially on the Memphis-centric episode, some stuff that probably hadn't been seen and is, if it is on YouTube, it's in 45th generation version. Uh, And a lot of... uh, my pictures obviously some of these things i have taken almost 50 years ago brian when i first started taking pictures at the wrestling matches it's been almost 50 years now they'll qualify as antiques i can jack the price up uh but some of my pictures have been already on some of the trailers that that have been out and etc but here's the list of episodes and this is uh i think Officially, the first time that the complete list has been read out, but they will be doing roundtable episodes on the Memphis Territory, a special on Jerry Lawler versus Andy Kaufman, the AWA, Stampede Wrestling, Championship Wrestling from Florida, uh, Jim Crockett slash Mid-Atlantic Wrestling, Portland, Polynesian Pro Wrestling, world-class and mid-south so those uh that's that's one two three four five six seven eight nine ten episodes by cracky and we will uh next week on the program here we'll run down some of the highlights that we'll be seeing with jason and evan but at any rate that's tuesday october 4th on vice tv at 10 o'clock eastern time and there's another vice project uh featuring some of my photography and me on camera that uh as soon as I get a couple more details on we'll share that with everybody also did you did you ever think you know as 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 fine upstanding a member of the community as I am Brian of, of moral turpitude as I am did you ever think I'd be so highly involved in vice uh this kind of vice not so sure any kind of vice yeah oh yeah oh come on now for heaven's sake you know i i gave all that up years ago um i got a couple of emails from the the listeners out there and this one is his his real name is rod in manchester the united kingdom but his email address is the mind boggler so his his mind has been boggled uh and he wrote you also, dear Jim and Brian, I've been listening to the experience since 2015 and the drive through since 2017 and felt compelled to write you as a longtime appreciator of your fine podcast. Uh, back when I first started listening, I used to travel long distances in my car to and from work, so the release of a new podcast every week was something of regular excitement to me. I've struggled with anxiety and depression for over 10 years now, and to say that your show provides something of a consistent staple to my routine is an understatement. So, Brian, we, are, we have been likened to a staple. And, and those things are sharp. Anyway, as a childhood fan of World of Sport over here in the gloomy UK, I've always been fascinated with your colorful and in-depth knowledge, opinion, and facts about the good old days of wrestling over there in the States, as well as your recent commentary and prolonged evisceration of modern wrestling. Anyway, here, this, this is the paragraph that I got a kick out of. I actually traveled to the United States in 2017 to attend WrestleMania in Orlando and subsequently traveled Route 66 to get married in Las Vegas. Highlights of that trip, aside from my marriage, included being able to attend your Hall of Fame induction speech live and in person, followed by the Rock and Roll Express's unintentionally comedic but humbling derailed train of thought. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I haven't heard to put that way before
0: I have never that is a good one though I thought they were fairly on on the beam, but anyway, Rod goes on to say, I also tweeted you after my very first visit very first visit. I can't say I also tweeted you after my very first visit to crack barrel. <laughs> after, <sorry. laughs> After enjoying a chicken fried steak and gravy, and I got a retweet. This was all a complete and total novelty to a thoroughly British kid such as I. Rod, I got to break it. It's it's not crack barrel. It's cracker barrel. If you, if you go to town in the United States and ask where crack barrel is or where you can find the crack barrel, you're going to get different directions. Just look for Jake. Jake will be able to tell you every time. Uh, but anyway uh he signs off by thanking us uh for the programming and thanking us also for our regular nods and acknowledgments of the idiosyncrasies and weird dialects of the folks across the pond uh, example mate take the piss shite etc and there you have it and rod thank you for not being a complete bell end how about that and from andrew uh, Just a, a brief uh, email he sent. Gentlemen, thanks for all the brilliant content. A recipe for joy. I just got back into wrestling at the beginning of the year after a 15-year hiatus. I took care of my grandmother for many years, and she passed at the age of 92 due to COVID. I needed to escape, and so I started watching Mid-South and other regional promotions from the 80s I never saw, and it was an absolute pleasure. Also immediately went to Corny's podcast, The Fusion of Foul Language, Sky High Wrestling IQ and History, and Pure Comedy makes for one of the best podcasts ever be ever created. I just bought an autographed corny action figure to join my resurrected wrestling toy empire. So, we're bringing him back to the wrestling business, Brian. If only the wrestling business would cooperate. We keep bringing them back, and they keep running them right back out. You know, we always say wrestling is the most
1: unique form of entertainment or sport where there are people who will stop watching, and they'll still keep up with it. You know, you can't give it up. (laughs) You can never just walk away from wrestling. You always want to kind of know what's going on.
0: Actually, I can disprove that theory. (laughs) I just talked to Danny Davis the former major domo and originator and operator of Ohio Valley wrestling. And since he has retired and gone down to Florida, he lives on the beach and everything he wants is within walking distance of where he lives. And I asked him, I said, Danny, please tell me that you were able to go for weeks, if not months at a time without seeing wrestling, hearing about wrestling or talking to anybody about wrestling. And he said, you are exactly correct. He said, and if I do accidentally see something pop up, I turn the other way and run. I was
1: talking about the fans, not the people from the business itself.
0: Well, I'm just telling you, you know, it's uh, one of these days we'll all get out of here. One of these days. Well, you're in a positive mood today. What the hell are you... What's, hey. One of these days we'll get out of well, here. <laughs> I've, I've spent the morning head first in a fucking freezer and then you hung up on me when I started the original intro to this program. It was an accident. Well, that's what you say. I think you were trying to give me a fucking a sign. Speaking of a sign, we have more, more from the people, from the people, from the cult of cornet. Apparently, this goddamn anime sim dating thing oh no is just everywhere and we had no idea that any of this was going on and then people started writing in and it does give me some insight into what in a wide wide world of sports may be wrong with kenny olivier and some of his friends but uh, again somebody robert i won't um well he's the grumpy lemming i won't give his whole name here but he would you like to hear some more of these games because he's get he's he's done some research here on some more of these uh these things you can get involved with well that was going to be my question was this research or based on firsthand knowledge no, apparently it's all it's all written out here. It's got the title of the game and then the summation of the game. And uh, a screenshot from one of the games where there are always young Japanese schoolgirls that look like... What is the matter with the Japanese? With the whole thing? Every female Japanese character that you see in anime or in wrestling or in many of these people's... I'm sure posters on the wall, they all look 12 with pigtails and bobby socks, as the kids used to say. What's going on with this whole thing?
1: Yeah, are there any MILF games over there? Why is everything
0: about fucking uh, uh, Have you ever seen a picture of a big titted 50 50-year-old Japanese woman? In an advertisement what? or anything, anywhere, are there any big sure, yes, there Japanese are. What do you woman? even say? Cr- well, I'm... somebody send me a picture of one, <laughs> especially see? if it's if it's if it's <laughs> the actual big titty 50 fifty-year-old Japanese woman in question. Why does, does she I'd have to like be fifty? To have proof they exist. Why does she have to be fifty? Why'd you pick that age? Why is forty-five? Well, forty-five. All right, all right forty-five. I'm trying to stay. I'm going in the opposite direction. I don't want to get too far. I don't want to go up into the 60s. So you think there's no
1: Japanese MILF games because of the lack of current Japanese MILFs on the scene?
0: I just don't know what's going on with these people, and is this, you know, that's the only kind of picture or drawing or depiction you ever see? I don't understand the
1: schoolgirl thing at all. And, you know, you, you keep saying the Japanese people. It's beyond that. You're talking about Kenny Omega. You're talking about people outside of wrestling and outside of Japan who are into this scene. It's not
0: just specific to one place. Yes. It's very bizarre. Would you like to hear some more of these? Oh, sure. And now he does say, I myself, oh, he does, by the way, the salutation is, hi, Jim, parenthetically, and Brian, keep eating those plain old pizzas, buddy. I sure will, because they're the
1: right thing to do, and they taste good, and it's the right way to eat pizza. If you had good pizza, grumpy lemming, maybe you'd be
0: able to do the same thing. You keep trying to tell yourself that. I keep trying to tell the world that. I'll be over here with a tube of Jimmy Dean pure pork sausage and a smile on my face. I hope it wasn't in the freezer. Well, actually, no, we had that inside the house. That's that's the inside the house stuff. Grumpy goes on to say, I myself am a gamer. He says, I spend a lot of time playing pubg. P-U-B-G. Says Brian should know what that is. I
1: have no idea what that is.
0: P U B G. -g. Let me look that up. P U B G.
1: Nevertheless. Pubaga. It's uh, Players Unknown Battlegrounds. No, sorry, Grumpy. I don't know this. I don't play these games.
0: All right. Well, at least it doesn't sound like it's a place you'll run into too many schoolgirls. But nevertheless, uh, he says, because I'm old and I'm hurt by watching this shit we call wrestling these days. I have researched some games for you. The first one, Dream Daddy, a dad dating simulator, is a game where you play as a dad and your goal is to meet and roam Wait a minute. Is a game where you play as a dad and your goal is to meet and romance other hot dads. What? What? You and your daughter. Wait, what? (laughs) You and your daughter have just moved into the sleepy seaside town of Maple Bay only to discover that everyone in your neighborhood is a single, dateable dad. Will you go out with teacher dad, goth dad, bad dad, or any of the other cool dads? But do you have your... So you're the dad.
2: But you are
1: a dad and you're in a neighborhood of... You're wanting other dads. So the whole game is a world of nothing but
0: single dads? It seems like that would almost be impossible.
2: <laughs> I mean, we can think about it. I'm not saying
0: that most of them couldn't be single at some point, but a couple of them had to be doubles or elsewise they wouldn't be dads. They'd be duds. Let's move on from that. I hope that the daughter's okay in this aggressive playground of single men. Apparently, the daughter just gets to move in, you know, into the town with the Maple Bay with the dad, and then the daughter is not Maple figured Bay. into this anymore. <laughs> Why Maple Bay? Maple Bay, a sleepy seaside town. Uh, Let's move to the next game. Was that I, it? That was the that's, entire... Well, that's, well, it has many games, side quests, and a variety of paths and endings. I'm sure it does variety of paths you you can you can take the hershey highway you can go down poop lane always have a happy ending um there's the game called attack helicopter dating simulator (laughs) and to play this you are a person who identifies as an attack helicopter and your daily activities may include morning maintenance, aerial attack runs, and delivering Hellfire missiles on non-combatants for democracy. I think I'd rather go back to Maple Bay. Wait, where's the dating aspect of this? I, you just, I don't think you. I think you just have daily activities here. You identify as an attack helicopter. What does that mean? You identify. You are an attack helicopter. Well, I, I, I guess that's a, that's the way they say it these days. And if you identify as something, you. But are, does that mean you, you
1: are in the game yourself? But people have to.
0: Is that or, you do, are, or do you have to identify as an attack helicopter in order to play this game? Or in the game are you pretending to identify as an attack helicopter? Is this the yes. question you're asking? Do you have a propeller? Yes. This is my question. Yes. Uh, I've, I've got a propeller. If you'd like to spin it, big boy um no thank you (laughs) is that your helicopter voice (laughs) it should be (laughs) moving it now we've heard about this next one i love you colonel sanders did you remember we heard uh, something about this one
1: this is the one people early on thought you may want to play The
0: player takes on the role of a culinary student seeking romance with their classmate, Colonel Sanders. Now, I don't know whether Colonel Sanders would be a classmate or wouldn't he be the teacher? Because that would even make this more forbidden if I was in there just to have a class in chicken gravy and all of a sudden the teacher, you know. Did he go to culinary
1: school? Colonel Harmon No, Sanders? no, he
0: he owned a gas station and cooked in the back room because people back then, since there was no highway, they stopped in to get gas and they were there for about five, ten minutes. He That's why he found a quick way to cook chicken so he could make double the money and sell them lunch too. But you can in this game participate in cooking battles, earn a fictional culinary degree and make the colonel your future business or life partner. From talking dogs to anthropomorphized kitchenware to the eponymous Colonel himself, there's never a dull moment in this KFC-endorsed romance saga. There was my question. Is this officially endorsed? Did
1: the state of Colonel Sanders or KFC sign off on this and you just made it unless
0: like unless grumpy lemming is just being a smart ass here and and how can a guy named grumpy lemming possibly be a smart ass it apparently is kf well look up i love you colonel sanders hold on and uh, express uh, and, vpn time hold on <laughs> and then there's uh, there's i love you colonel sanders there's i love you alice b toklas isn't there also <laughs> I love you, of, 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 oh, who was it? Julie Newmar. I love you, Julie Newmar? That's not a game. Wasn't that? No, I love you, Wong Fu. To Wong Fu. To Wong Fu. I love you. <laughs> Signed Julie Newmar. Whatever that goddamn movie was. I never watched that movie. Did you watch that movie? I remember the very long and, and <laughs> yeah, cumbersome title. Too. That's it. Uh, I have okay. something
1: here from Wikipedia. Have,
0: uh, uh, wait a minute, breaking news. According to Wikipedia,
1: not always accurate. I love you, Colonel Sanders. A finger-licking good dating simulator (laughs) is a dating sim developed by Pysop. The video game was commissioned by the restaurant chain KFC and released for free on Steam on September 24th, 2019. A parody of conventional dating sims, the primary object of the player is to develop a romantic relationship with a fictionalized version of KFC founder Colonel Sanders portrayed
0: as an attractive classmate at a cooking school. Well, you know, Colonel Sanders was a horny old bastard. As a matter of Claudia, the Colonel's lady, Claudia Sanders dinner house, the restaurant, that was his second wife. She was actually a waitress at the, uh, At the gas station cafe back in Corbin, all those years ago, and the the colonel's first wife got the boot. What was that? I don't know what you just said. There was something, the dinner house? They had a
1: separately themed...
0: Oh my God, Claudia Sanders dinner house. They've just, they're, they're in the process of selling it and auctioning some things now because everybody's passed on. Claudia Sanders dinner house over here in Simpsonville was where that the Colonel and Claudia lived for the last years of their life and set up this restaurant where they actually had the original original recipes of all of his stuff, and it was like it was before KFC became a chain and ruined the shit. So you could actually get the good gravy and the good chicken and the good mashed potatoes instead of the, the gravy he said one time and it made the front page of the Courier-Journal. Colonel Sanders was supposed to be the... The uh, uh, spokesperson for KFC is part of the buyout deal for old John Y. Brown, the former governor, and his his team of investors that fucked Colonel Sanders out of his goddamn life work for two million dollars. But anyway, he said, "I don't know what they've done to my my wa- my uh, gravy. It tastes like wallpaper paste." Anyway, he was a very cranky man. He also shot the guy. He shot the guy that was running the gas station across town uh, on the other side of Corbin from him. But he got off because those guys shot his backup and killed him. So Colonel Sanders lost one of his troops and the other guys went to jail. So that way he had the Corbin chicken business all sewn up. Where are the original recipes? Well, the uh, supposedly... Here in Louisville, there's a giant, it's the KFC headquarters, right? It it looks like a southern plantation house with the big white columns and everything, and supposedly in the vault, uh, underground, protected in that environment, that only like the three highest ranking executives in the company are allowed to ever see or get into, is the original secret herbs and spices recipe it was written on the door frame of the door between his dining room and his kitchen in the gas station in corbin and apparently they saved it and have that in the vault somewhere this is what we hear down here in kentucky Because pretty soon
1: there won't be that many people left that could say, oh, you don't know what it really tasted like, what the original taste was. So I wonder if it'll ever, if that recipe will ever emerge.
0: No, actually, well, well, it's it's the same recipe, allegedly. It's just by the time that they prepackage everything and a bunch of fucking asshole 18-year-old high school dropouts that don't give a shit about their job cook it in the average KFC in America, it tastes like fucking grilled pigeon. Speaking of grilled pigeons, there's also Raptor Boyfriend. Oh my God, we're not done with this. (laughs) Oh no, Raptor Boyfriend, a high school romance. The teenage Stella is desperate to ingratiate herself into the social tapestry of her new high school, but there's a problem. She's moved into a secretive community of cryptids, and she's got to romance one of three unique zoological anomalies. Players can choose to charm either a female fairy named Day, a Sasquatch named Taylor, or a Velociraptor named Robert. And do you get the idea that most of the people playing these games are adult men? You know,
1: that's the problem, I think. Lots of people play games. I play video games when I actually have time. I I enjoy it. I grew up doing it. But there are too many people who have no social skills and limited social interactions, some who don't work, some who just never encounter the real world, who live in this kind of world of just Twitter and online games and all this kind of shit, and they're the
0: most unhealthy people on the fucking planet, so. But coming up next, perfect date. Players take on the role of researchers on Cat Island, where they must unfold the mysteries of the island and its feline denizens. In order to do this, however, they will have to date these cats (laughs) as they themselves are slowly transformed into a cat by mysterious forces. The things you go through to get a little pussy. I mean, nothing's just like meet someone at work and figure out what Thing to do with oh, on your here, first here day. We well, no, no, nobody's working here because they're still in school. Here we go. Monster Prom taking place at a high school for monsters. All right. Monster Prom tasks players with trying to get a date for the title event within a short time frame of just three weeks. Just three weeks to get a date, Brian. I think you could if you had that much trouble, you could probably hire one in about 30 minutes. But I don't don't know what the social life in the Monster Academy is like. One of the most unique features of the game is a multiplayer mode allowing up to four players to compete against each other to find a prom date while helping and hindering each other along the way, just like your real friends. There is also the Bacon Lettuce Biographies. A teenage student enrolls in a new school... (laughs) And suddenly, everyone's all over you like a dog to a bone, except everyone was either part of a poultry or livestock carcass. Even so, they do have personalities, and you can interact with them, which makes it hard since both steak and bacon taste delicious. You can date pork, chicken, beef, anything red or raw, and can cause kidney or heart problems. I don't know what to say
1: anymore <laughs> about these. You know, and this is how stupid this is. I was thinking of a serious question. The Monster High School, do they go with The Creature or Gilman?
0: It didn't get that detailed. Jurassic Heart. <laughs> play a Aren't normal- they a tag team? Aren't they a tag team in AEW? You play a normal high school girl. Yeah, they are a tag team in AEW. The object of your desires is a ukulele-playing, necktie-wearing Tyrannosaurus Rex named Tara. To impress Tara, you wear ob... Oh, I'm sorry. I don't know how you pronounce this. T-A-I-R-A. I I thought Tara would be a female Tyrannosaurus Rex. But to impress Tara, you wear objects you think he would like, such as food or music-themed hair clips. Terra isn't a savage beast hoping to enjoy you for dinner. He's just a shy music lover who confides his insecurities with you. Though he loves the ukulele, his short arms don't allow him to hold an instrument. <laughs> there are multiple routes you can take in Jurassic Heart, you think? Make the wrong decision and your chances for reptile love are over. Thankfully, you can work with Tara to encourage him to continue his music and win his cold-blooded heart. So in some of these games, you have to be a high school girl to play the game. But I'm not hearing a lot of high school girls are playing these games. Have we missed this?
1: That's what I'd like to know. There has to be that kind of data out there. Who actually is purchasing the game? Who plays the game?
0: All right. Um... And Yeah, and then here's there's Paca Plus, where a high school student and a cute human girlfriend take a magical bus ride and are transported to the alpaca kingdom, where one of them turns into a fluffy alpaca, but the other one doesn't want to let a change of species break them up, so he continues to have a normal relationship, but she has not given up on her normal life because she still attends school, and plays the violin as an alpaca. Though Yukari was beautiful as a human, Kazuma finds her alpaca version equally as beautiful, finds the situation odd at first, but learns to accept her new form. You know, you Google a lot of stuff. Can you Google is, I guess, an alpaca is kind of a souped-up sheep, right? Can you Google is sheep fucking... By human beings, illegal in Japan. I'm not even going to Google that. The answer is yes. Well, you don't know. Did you check already? I'm not googling. Is sheep Did you fucking already, illegal? Did you already checked, So you know that. Off I the didn't top of check. Your head that I'm not going to Google it. No, to I'm gonna... fuck a sheep. Why won't you Google it? You know, later on in the program, we're going to talk about Express VPN. Nobody can it? bust you. Why don't you Google it? Because I don't Google as quick as you do. It takes me. All all kinds of time to Google. And also, um, oh, here's one. The object of your desire is a female head and a planter who happens to be the (laughs) goddess of love, Evian. She doesn't just sit on your windowsill. You can take her out for dates, change her shelter, and dress her up with scarves. She believes she'll prove to the other gods that love can bloom, even if she's just a head in a flower pot. And I'll, but also if she fails, you can. It can happen that the world will be destroyed. But I'll tell you what. That's the screenshot that he sent in, where her head's just in a planter, and that could come in handy. And it's not like she'd have much say in the matter, just being a head and a planter. You know, whatever happened to just? I forget it. Forget it how about you go
1: out and meet someone and have a fun night out get a few drinks or if you don't drink just go do something
0: else or go where are you gonna meet a head in a planner new york city yeah that's true i guess if it can happen if it can happen there it can happen anywhere and but now we know why Twinkletoes had all of his opponents or he already had him he had the the blow-up doll in his house because that's part of one of the games and Who knows? Maybe that wasn't a real six year old girl that he was doing all those questionable things to. Maybe that was just one of these alpacas or something. Would you watch Kenny Omega wrestle an alpaca? I swear to God, that's not what I thought you were going to ask when you said, Would you watch (laughs) (laughs) Kenny? Because I was going to say, You already knew the answer. Maybe you got the answer from Kenny about the sheep in Japan. I don't really want to watch Kenny Olivier do anything except burst into flames. Now if he if he could do that, you've seen kangaroos fight, right? Yes, yes, as a matter of fact, I've I've instigated a couple also. If, well, I, went my, up to, I went up to a kangaroo one night. I said, you ought to hear what that fucking kangaroo in the corner was saying about you.
1: I'm not talking about Norman Frederick Charles 3rd I'm talking about oh, a real oh, kangaroo. Okay. I,
0: th- I really got Norman and fucking Jonathan Boyd all pissed at each other. But go ahead. Would you, pay, would you watch Kenny Omega fight a kangaroo? <laughs> yes, because those kangaroos will kick your fucking
1: ass. That'd be funny. It'd be entertaining. I would watch that. Do you think that would break the pay-per-view record for AEW? Kenny Omega versus a kangaroo.
0: I would personally buy at least 50,000. <laughs> 50, 50,000? Really? 50,000 pay-per-views. If they'll book Kenny in a shoot now. No working. You can't
2: it's work. It's got to be
0: a shoot. All right. But you know what I need right now, Brian? <laughs> I can think of a few things. What, what do you have a on mind? tasty goddamn breakfast. That's what I need right now. <laughs> Yeah, we're gonna get to the wrestling here in a second, folks. So first, we'll talk about how to fortify yourself for that. And the last thing you want to do before you watch bad modern wrestling is load yourself up with carbohydrates and sugar and calories and junk food and that kind of thing, because then you'll just feel miserable. I mean, you'll be impacted. You won't be. You won't feel or look popular. You you'll pop out at parties. You don't want to. Weigh yourself down with stuff like that. What you want to do is eat a nice, healthy, good-tasting, refreshing breakfast with our friends at Magic Spoon. Because, for example, let's say you have to play one of these games where you're going to have to mate with an alpaca. You need a lot of energy to mate with an alpaca because they, well, they're they're all high-strung to begin with. So to hold one of those things down, You want to get a big bowl of Magic Spoon and one of the great flavors. I mean, anything goes with alpaca love. Cocoa, fruity, frosted peanut butter, blueberry muffin, maple waffle, honey nut. Hey, put a little nut in your alpaca. Cookies and cream, cinnamon roll, whatever you want. Have an indulgent bowl of Magic Spoon and then cuddle up and make sweet, passionate alpaca love with your chosen alpaca. No, let's get away from
1: animal love and, of course, joking animal love in this case or virtual anime animal love with anime alpacas and let's talk more about what happens in the real world and what happens with a healthy
0: breakfast, which, as you said, you should start your day with every day like Magic Spoon. You just blurted out and uttered out a string of words, anime alpaca and enemas and all kinds of things. Can you use this stuff for enemas as well? I didn't say enemas and I'm trying to get you back on track. and. You went to Enema's. All right. Magic Spoon has a deal where you can build your own box and you can pick the flavors that you want. If you go to magicspoon.com slash Jim, grab a custom bundle of the cereal, try the magic for yourself, and use the promo code Jim at checkout. That's J I M. You'll save $5 off your order. And we've talked about the 100% happiness guarantee. Once you become a customer of Magic Spoon, and you eat this, whatever they put in it, you'll be deliriously happy. They'll have to wipe the smile off your face with a sandblaster. If not, if for some reason you're not just loving this cereal, and you're not just deliriously happy, and you're not just over the moon, then they will refund your money, no questions asked. That's what they'll do, because that's the kind of people they are. That's right. And we know that you wouldn't want to fuck nice people like that around, so you're going to be honest. Because also they have ways of figuring this out. Once you eat that first magic spoon, there's a genetic code. No. This cereal. And they'll be able to tell from your stomach. They have a reading on your stomach. No, they don't. If you eat the magic spoon and your stomach likes it, a green light glows up in the magic spoon headquarters and they know you like their cereal. So if you try to lie to get your money back, they will show you a picture of your green light. Friends, when you ingest the magic
1: spoon that you'll be enjoying for breakfast, feel confident in knowing that there'll be nothing entering your body that will be staying in your body, certainly, certainly nothing transmitting a signal to anyone else. No, It'll no, It'll be entering no. and leaving your body the way yes. most typical normal food does.
0: It enters and leaves your body through the normal passageway. It just has changed some of your genetic code. No! The process.
1: No! No, they do
0: nothing to your genetic code. You have nothing to worry about with your genetic code. With well, Magic they've got food. zero grams of sugar, 13 to 14 grams of protein, and only four to five net grams of carbs in each serving. Low-carb, keto-friendly, gluten-free, grain-free, soy-free. Only 140 calories a serving. It says right here, changes genetic code slightly to acknowledge uh, receipt of Caloric intake from Magic Spoon, which will lead to hundred percent happiness. No, it says it whether you like it or not.
1: It says it right here. Please don't let Jim go too far. And here you are talking about genetic codes and
0: all this. Making a copy. If you want a smoky syrupy finish, go with that honey nut or maple waffle, or you can be indulgent with cookies and cream and cinnamon roll. You can keep your own crappy genetic code if that's what you want. Try to be happy on your own then. We're gonna go around and spread our own genetic coding happiness somewhere else. MagicSpoon.com slash Jim. Use the code Jim to save five dollars off at checkout. And folks, again, a genetic code has never been so so cheap than with Magic Spoon. Again, Magic Spoon, a healthy
1: cereal that you'll have for breakfast. Enjoy. Enjoy knowing that you're ingesting healthy magic spoon materials. Or food or ingredients. God damn it. I can't even think of what to say, but it's good and you will like it, and it'll be healthy, and you have nothing to worry about with magic spoon.
0: All right, and just so you know, by the way, if you hear some clunking, Brian, the Monroe's are hard at work outside. They're moving a rock pile from the end of the driveway back to the back fence, and they're since it's dry and hadn't rained in a while, they're putting it at the back of the pickup truck and driving them back there. So you're gonna hear clunking as the rocks go into the pickup truck. Possibly as as the Monroes run into something with the pickup truck, but we'll cross that bridge when it falls on us anyway. should we talk about some wrestling
1: now? No, uh, is there any more news on the world of anime dating games, or
0: uh unfortunately not that alpaca is still playing in the field, but um last week, we watched n x t and boy, that was fairly brutal, and we had done that because. They made the announcement, they dropped the 2.0 and Shawn Michaels was supposed to, be, it was, I thought it was going to be an announcement from Shawn Michaels, it was Shawn Michaels reading a statement uh, over B-roll, so they, they didn't really go all the way with that, but it was a, eh, show, Yeah. so this week I watched Raw, most of Raw. Quite a bit of Raw, at least. But I thought, for the people who still hang on that NXT program, Ooh. I would just read real quickly. I'm not shitting you. This is the results that I read off of our our friends at PWInsider.com. They had the results of NXT from this past Tuesday night, September 20th. Would you like to hear the results? No, not really. Okay. Nathan Fraser <laughs> beat Axiom. Uh, the uh, Toxic Attraction girls, Jane Wayne Gacy and Gigi Allen, beat Tatum Paxley and Ivy Nile. Nathan and Fraser, p- what was Mabel's real name? Nelson Fraser. Nelson. Okay, okay. Yeah, that's right. The confusingly similar, but and by the way, Gacy and Allen are the only names I'm making up on this whole thing. This is legitimate. Jagger Reed and Rip Fowler beat Malik Blade and Idris Enough. Cora Jade beat Windy Chu. Andre Chase and Body Hayward beat Bo- Carmelo, huh? Body B-O-D-Y? B-O-D-H-I. Body Hayward. Bodhi. Bodie Hayward, Andre Chase and Bodie Hayward beat Carmelo Hayes and his friend Trick, who is still about it, about it, Von Wagner beat Sangha. Sanga, at first I thought it was Sanga, I'm like, no, <laughs> they they came beyond decaf. This thing is sleep inducing enough. And finally in the main event, Brian last to qualify for a ladder match to determine the new North American champion Oro Mensa beat Grayson Waller. Sounds like I missed one hell of a show. And it, you know, it's not even the talent's fault at this point. none of those are actual names of people, or, in most cases, actual names. So uh, Oro Minsa, Sangha, Idris Enough. I have seen enough. I mentioned that so that we would be excited to talk about raw. So let's get started talking about raw. Did you watch Summer Raw? Yes. How much?
1: I watched a good portion, and I actually have it on one of the (laughs) monitors here in the background, so I'm checking it out as we go.
0: Oh, so in other words, as I talk about it, you're going to watch enough to yeah, he was wearing blue. As you start right now, I picked up from
1: where I stopped on my TV the other night. I'm at (laughs) one hour and 50 minutes into the show, the
0: Judgment Day are just entering the ring. Well, you're at one of the only decent parts, but nevertheless, let's start back at the beginning. Have I mentioned that the Raw opening theme music is rotten? I don't know. Just rotten. I actually don't know if you've said that on the air. I said it about one of the opening themes a couple of weeks ago, but I can't remember which, for what program. So the opening match on Raw, they're trying for star power, their main event, you know, a big... Match. I can understand that. They open with Seth Franklin Rollins against Bobby Lashley. And again, except for singing the Heels music, what oh, 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 oh. no, that's that's Jungle Boy. What what is Seth Rollins I thought that was E-o, Mars E-o? Day. I wasn't sure what you were doing there. Well, I'm not was it K Sarah, sirrah, What did they sing for Seth? For Seth Franklin Rollins, the, oh, 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 I've, whatever the fuck. Wrestling fans love that. You can give any wrestler, no
1: matter what their talent is, a music, a music, a, a song, music? a song that has some kind of just loud chant, Oh anything with that, they'll love it, <laughs> they'll stand up, they'll do it, and then they'll sit back down on their hands.
0: And that's what I was going to say, except for singing the heels music the people were sitting on their hands and this is the it's the wwe audience and the wwe product now and i've been talking about it the in most cases in aew when they have main event guys that they present as main event guys in a match in front of their fans that's their fans are into the match but in the WWE, the main event guys that obviously the WWE has more viewers, they got more fans, there are more people in the buildings, whatever the fuck. So they should equally be into the main event guys, but they don't care about the matches as much. It's all about the monotonous long entrances, the goddamn 20-minute long fucking... You know, dramatic pieces or comedy pieces that they do in the middle, and then they break every once in a while for a match. And they've done this to themselves because if the people don't think the matches are the most important thing, and I'm not saying more important than the talent in the matches, if they don't think that the matches between the main event guys, the top stars, are the culmination of everything. Involving those people in their programs, then they've shot themselves in the foot because none of these guys are good actors anymore, except for a couple that we'll talk about. And they've just diminished the, it's just a, a parade of the same kind of stuff. Nothing stands out. They didn't have a bad match again, but they went to the, after they rang the bell, they did maybe three minutes and went to the break. And when they come back, there's Seth's getting heat on Lashley. There's nothing wrong, nothing great. I don't see Lashley as a babyface that needs to sell like that, like a babyface. It needs to sell being in a long arm lock. At one point, the people were chanting, let's go, Bobby. But it wasn't like because Bobby was going and they were trying to root him on. It was like, let's go, Bobby, to see somebody go somewhere and do something. Seth Rollins hit him with another a a couple of dives in a row and on the second one almost landed on his fucking head because he bounced off. Lashley's like hitting a wall. I don't know if he bounced off him. The trajectory was wrong, whatever. So then Lashley posts Seth out on the floor and we go to another break less than five minutes after we'd come back from the previous break it's impossible to, to really get into this thing and follow it even if you're trying because they keep breaking it up. And they won't even say, we'll be right back after this break. Don't go anywhere. You, they just go to the break and fuck. Maybe I'll go make a sandwich. Anyway, it it they got some two counts at the, and some false finishes at the end and uh, blah, blah, blah. And then finally... Bobby got the hurt lock and Seth Rollins mule kicks him in the nuts and then suddenly riddles music plays and he just walks down to the ring and Seth just turns around and stares at him and then turns back around and guess what? Bobby Lashley speared him out of his boots. One, two, three. That was it. That was the finish. When when, <laughs> If you're in a fight, Brian, and somebody's music plays and they come down, they don't even jump up on the apron of the ring. They just walk down the aisle. Are you going to stop the guy that you're fighting when he's 50 pounds heavier than you and just stare at the other guy who's not doing any fucking thing?
1: Oh, man, I wish you had watched Rampage now.
0: (laughs) I can't wait for you to watch the opening match on Rampage. Well, and, and and let's make the statement also that, my God, none of us could take all that wrestling in the same program, but we're recording on, we tried to start on Saturday morning, things have happened, uh, but we're recording on Saturday, so we're catching up with what we've seen in the past week, which is Raw on Monday and AEW on Wednesday, and then for the drive-through, we're going to cover in detail the Friday programs. Because we'll have had time to watch him. But, again, music plays, guy walks down, stupid guy in the ring, stares at him, turns around, gets hit with a finish. Keep that thought in mind. We'll revisit that later on. What did you think about this contest?
1: I mean, it was okay for what it was. I can't get into Bobby Lashley at all right now as a babyface like this. I liked him with MVP. That was perfect. Yeah. Where'd MVP go? He's with Almost. Where's Almost? Where's Almost? Well, I don't know where MVP <laughs> is. Is the point? And I can't get into Lashley. I don't find him to be a compelling babyface on his own. He actually worked better as a heel with a mouthpiece, yeah, and like as a machine, just a monster. But I can't get into him. I don't buy him as a top
0: babyface on his own. It just doesn't work for me. Well, and 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 also it's that. <laughs> He's not Jack Briscoe. He doesn't need to sell arm drags and, and, you know, wrestle competitively on the mat. Even though he can, he's a great shooter, unless you're talking about he's competitive with a fucking giant. But he as a, as a dominant, ass kicking fucking heel guy with the group around him, it was, it was great. Anyway, speaking of a group, they're going to give Bailey and damage control some time, it looks like on TV. And I'm not, I'm not arguing with any more chances to see Bailey at all. She's great. She's a great promo. We've established in the past. She can work. I'm not really interested in any of the fucking females that she's currently surrounded with either as partners or opponents, but I love Bailey. And they, they, they drove to the ring on some kind of SUV or ATV or whatever. And they had the streamers and blah, blah, blah. And, EO and Dakota are the new tag team champions. And they do the promo, and it was great, except when she lets EO and Dakota Kai talk. But then here comes Bianca and Alexa and Oscar out. And I already have lost a lot of interest. If we could go with Bianca and Bailey, which I assume we'll get to eventually, uh, then I'll I'll be there for that. But the six girls and the blah, blah, blah. Again, Bailey carried this promo. She's so far above all the others verbally, it's not funny. Alexa Bliss did her promo and sounded like one time when OVW had a pizza place as a sponsor and we shot commercials there. I asked one of the waitresses to say one line, and it took an hour. She sounded like a pizza place waitress I coached in that TV commercial. And somehow we're getting Bailey wrestling on that program against Alexa that night. So, we were 45 minutes into the three-hour Raw to see the first match and the girls' promo that I just discussed. So, this thing moves like a glacier. What do you think of damage control, Brian? I agree with you about Bailey. I think she'd uh,
1: be a wonderful manager against the T-Birds next time they play. (laughs) Ha ha ha! But um, Get a little Georgia Haas in her, doesn't she? Yeah, I mean she could talk, and she's really good, and you know she was great as a babyface. She was great as a babyface that the fans made and got behind, and she's been really great as a heel. And we've seen her just different variations of a heel, more silly, and now what she's doing here. I like Dakota. I think Io Sky is good. I always did, even when you didn't. But they need people to work with. I'm not an Alexa Bliss fan.
0: So that really doesn't do it for me. Well, let's see if the next one will. Last week, Kevin Owens and Austin Theory got in a fight, and now this week they're going to have a match. And the one undisputed thing that poor billionaire Vince was doing when he lost his mind was trying to push Austin Theory and make him the you know, the uh, one of the next top guys, right? He was the handpicked protege of the chairman. He was in all the promos. Even if some of the creative was caca, they were trying. Apparently, Austin Theory has pissed somebody off. I don't know what the the issue is, but especially Triple H being more inclined to push guys that can work and that look like stars and more serious and less of the goofy stuff Vince was into. But Theory can't beat a fucking rug anymore. He can't beat his own meat. So through this whole match, you know, they, they went back and forth so much at the start. There was neither. A defined set of, you know, theory shining Owens or a defined set of theory getting some heat on Owens. It was just back and forth, back and forth. And then finally, theory hit a big neck breaker on Steen on the floor to stop him and they went straight to the commercial break. And I'm like, ah. So finally, boom, they come back. They're still going back and forth, very brief bit of heat. And Owens made a comeback. And Theory, again, is tremendous. He's always in the right place. And the people got into this match, I would say, more than anything else on the program. But they, for a while, for a while, they fought on top of the top turnbuckle. And then Owens missed a moonsault. And Theory hit a finish on him, boom, and got a two-count that I thought that should have been it. That would have, it would have been perfect right there, but theory got two or three more two counts and then just decided, well, I'll go get the money in the bank briefcase, even though the referee is standing right there and has not been bumped or anything. But as he turns around, guess who's at ringside holding the briefcase? Johnny same face. And guess what happens? Theory stares at same (laughs) face. And then turns back around to the guy that he's fighting and the guy that he's fighting hits him with a super kick and then cannonballs him and power bombs him. One, two, three. We just saw this fucking finish an hour ago. And now not only is Austin theory, the cream of the crop of their young early twenties prospects Doing a job for Owens, but he's in an angle with Same Face. Have they given up on this guy? So then, Tad insult to injury. Theory sells forever. Owens leaves. Johnny Same Face comes in with the briefcase and holds it over Theory, and then drops it onto his balls, which Theory then sells. And Same Face walks off and leaves him. Why didn't they piss in his mouth while he was down there?
1: USA Network won't allow that.
0: Uh, so
1: you, this was... Hey, a- do you think if Triple H believed in a talent, and I'm not saying this is a situation, I'm just asking your thoughts, do you think in any way that he would think, let me punish this guy for a year the way I was punished to see if he has the metal to get through this?
0: Because well, what, but, but why but are they doing this? What did he what did you do to get punished for? I don't he know. Didn't- he didn't go out in Madison Square Garden and expose the business and then later on marry the fucking boss's daughter. The other question is, do you think they see this as they're
1: not burying Austin Theory, that they're actually using him well just because they're using him and he still has the
0: briefcase? Well, see, and that is a good point and the comedy writers and civilians and people with no wrestling background that work there would think that because they somebody else that had a similar ignorance to wrestling would have told them that. But Triple H knows that that ain't... Okay, when's the last time Triple H laid there and let somebody drop a fucking briefcase on his nuts? He knows something's going on. Either just because it was backlash because he was Vince's guy, or he pissed somebody off, or whatever, because you... Nobody cannot... Nobody that has any knowledge of professional wrestling can overlook that this guy's work is tremendous for his age and his personality and his promos for his level of experience and being that young and his look and the athleticism, the whole nine yards. So something else is going on. And you asked a question, triple H was punished for a year and knows that it sucked. And I would think he wouldn't want to do that to somebody else, especially somebody that as far as we know, has not done anything to deserve it. You know, you brought up before that theory was Vince's guy.
1: Please do me a favor. For the drive through with SmackDown, watch Liv Morgan versus Lacey Evans. Oh, come on! No, no, no. I'm serious. Watch Liv Morgan versus Lacey Evans. Because Lacey Evans, from everything we heard, was a Vince project. Watch that match and tell me what you think.
0: Oogie doogie. Well, <laughs> And with Lacey Evans, remember, we said, boy, what a babyface story. But God, it was awkward having her stand up there and tell it. And then they turned her heel. Said, boy, she's a great heel, but that's the worst way to become a heel I've ever seen in my life. Um, what is she now? Well, don't tell me. <laughs> don't tell me. You just make sure you watch all the way to the end. Oh, God damn you. So we were an hour and five minutes into Raw at this point. I was ready to give up. But they showed a package of Logan Paul and Roman Reigns from the press conference and the challenge for the press conference, blah, blah, blah. We know that match is going to take place. And then here come the brawling brutes, but they didn't even have good old Seamus, just Ridge and Butch. And they're doing a promo in the ring, but here comes the Street Profits. They have, it's the biggest wrestling company on the planet. And they have four tag teams on this program. So they had a tag match by interrupting an interview. Do you see where I'm going with this? It's the same thing every week. They have formatted themselves into just this goddamn pattern of guys come out and talk. Somebody else comes out and interrupts. They have a match and repeat and the same and for a finish, distract somebody, and then beat them. And it's, it's, they need to change up not only the talent and bring back talent that they've let get away and put people in better positions, but they need to make the matches more important by training the people that the matches are important, and they need to change up this fucking dreary-ass format so people don't know when they see somebody come into the ring Well, we got 10 fucking minutes before they ever start this shit. Because sometimes then they may not come back. It's not about the talent. It's about how it's presented at this point. And the Brawling Brutes won the tag match. And that was an hour and 40 minutes into the show. So Seth Rollins, Bobby Lashley. And I mean, there were a few backstage announcements and a couple of on-cameras. But Rollins and Lashley, the girls interview, Theory and Owens... And the tag team match, hour and forty fucking minutes. You see Pete Dunn is starting to look more like he used to? Well, yes, except he's still wearing that fucking ridiculous fucking cap. Uh, but he's he's back to basically being Pete Dunne with a with a hat on. So at least they didn't put a hat on a hat. Uh Ray Mysterio in the back with the girl interviewer. Pitching to him with this phrase after the gruesome beatdown last week. <sighs> Ray does a promo about Dominic turning on him. Explain Go to ahead. people what? why you
1: have a problem with
0: that. Does anybody really? When's the last time you saw a newscaster on location at the scene of a fucking crime or a goddamn courtside interviewer for the NBA after last week's gruesome beatdown? it's just so contrived and stagey and her whole, all the questions are written out for the announcers. They don't tell the announcer, okay, ask Brian about his fucking trip to the vet with Swami. They will have a paragraph that the announcer will recite. Yes, Brian, last you went down Hamilton Avenue to take Swami to the vet whereupon you encountered. And it's just so bullshit if you've got A goddamn announcer that can't ask a question about a subject they are prepared for off the top of their head. Fire the fucking announcer. They're scripting the announcer's questions. So anyway, Ray promos Dominic about turning on him. And it's so phony. Ray is trying... But, you know, the whole thing about the swerving the kid's head around, and then Riddle comes in with some horrible verbiage and apparently offered to be his partner without actually just, hey, you ready? Come on. Okay, I guess they're partners now. Because Edge is hurt after the gruesome beatdown. There's, just, there's no life to this. There's no spontaneity. There's no element of this stuff is happening in front of us in real time like there used to be on every wrestling program in the world it is completely and utterly scripted and contrived and timed down to and and staged managed down to the last fucking minute detail and speaking of which then Otis and Gable and same face and Owens came out and did another three minutes easily of just back and forth childish arguing and comedy about them going to have a match next week and they wonder why people hate this show and won't watch it. If anybody looked remotely mad, upset, fucking determined, they're all just joking around with each other backstage. And then here came the judgment day. Now we've picked up where we where you got to. Again, Rhea Ripley and Damian Priest fit this thing to a tee. And Dominic, the way they've got him dolled up now and healed out a little bit, he looks like he is the, the the pawn in the game. He fits that part. But when Finn Balor starts talking, or the fact that he's the smallest one there when he's the veteran and is filling the leader position, apparently – It just, I gotta wish Edge was still in there. You know what? When you watch it on mute, it's clear that Damian Priest is the leader. But when you
1: just hear it, and it's just my turn, and now your turn, now your turn to talk, and it's your turn to talk, it doesn't come across that way. But when you watch it on mute, his presence, his look,
0: the way he was moving around just holding the mic, he seemed like the leader. Seemed like, and that's the thing, is eventually he would have been... But what they've done, and I'm not going to beat it to death, I'll say it and move on, Edge was the main event guy, Edge had the the tenure, Edge had the experience, Edge was Hall of Fame, Edge was blah blah blah, to bring Ripley and Priest up to his level, and then Priest would have been the one to take over the leadership role if they'd been together for six months or a year, and then they fucking turned on Edge. And then you'd have had two guys, or you would had Priest had two talents, Priest and Ripley that had been made, but instead they got the fucking whole reason for their group pulled away from them and in his spot somebody that's half fucking Ripley's size and has been used as a excellent technical in-ring wrestler and not a good promo and has been used as a flunky and a fucking guy that everybody beat for fucking forever. And so now yes Priest by his presence is technically actually still the is, is the leader, but he's not ready to be a leader in people's eyes because they didn't go through the process, but a uh, priest sounds great. He even spoke Spanish and they're putting Dom over Dominic in, you know, in that way that, uh, that heels would do and priest and Ripley are great together that they had just, the difference in this being, a cool place for Priest and Ripley to stay warm and a top attraction as a group was taken edge out of it. And so now it's okay for Damien and Ripley to be in there, but this is not a main event organization anymore. People booed Dominic out of the arena and Dominic can't really talk, but the others fired him up and fired the people up and they were hot for it and then of course here comes Riddle music and then there comes Ray, and they have a match and I love the promo except Finn doesn't fit and I love Rhea Ripley she's not wrestling I'm not sitting through Riddle so I skip to the finish what would you think of the match Or did, you haven't seen it yet have you I watched it in the background it looked like a
1: lot of action it was on mute <laughs> On mute, Riddle looked like an athlete having an athletic contest.
0: I just, I can't, I can't. You hate him. I know. I just can't. You hate I him. just can't. And the thing is, because I know that he's some kind of goofy smartass in in real life doesn't help. Where he's he always running his mouth about Brock or Roman or somebody because he think I can beat you up for real. I got news for you, motherfucker. You want to fuck with a fucking Samoan, I don't care whether you can heel hook them or not, they're going to eat your fucking eyeball before you have the chance. But anyway, if he'd put some fucking shoes on, cut his hair, stop the goddamn rabbits from rushing out of his ass on his entrance, whatever the case, maybe it's... Nevertheless, they got down to the finish. Ray hits the 619 on Finn, but Seth Rollins comes to ringside and gloms Riddle. And Ray chases Seth Rollins off with a chair. And then Dominic dares Ray to hit him, but Ray says, no, fuck, I'm not going to do that. So Ray gets back in the ring where Priest Choke slams him and then Finn Balor hits a foot stomp and boom, one, two, three. So again, a guy comes down to the ring. (laughs) One of the people in the match is distracted Chases him off, gets back in the ring, and eats the other guy's finish three times in a. And I'm not saying that's even a bad finish, but three times in the same show is not. So, uh, and then we come back from a commercial break, and Seth and Riddle are having a pull apart in the back of the arena, where they stop fighting long enough with all these people pulling them apart so they can yell at each other and demand a rematch at extreme rules in the fight pit. Except the announcers had to explain it because all we could hear over all the yelling, all right, oh, right, your match. Okay. Yeah. Your rules. Okay. Well, we'll do that. So the announcers come back. Well, it's going to be in the fight pit, which we liked as a gimmick when we first saw it, which was Riddle and Timothy Thatcher, right? Didn't he lose that match? Or am I wrong? He may have, but then who really lost? Because Timothy Thatcher then disappeared. Has it ever been seen again? Yeah, whatever. He was good. Whatever happened to that guy? He was too good. They had to get rid of him. I don't know what is he fucking paralyzed? Is he goddamn federal witness protection program? I don't know where. A lot of these guys go.
1: He's a Triple H guy. You got to think he's going to be getting a phone call because seemingly Triple H or someone who works for him is getting in touch with every single human being that Triple H <laughs> has
0: ever had work for him. Gabe Sapolsky's back. Did you see that? Oh yes, I said, welcome back, Gabe. Um, again, all the creative talent that was put out of work by either the pandemic or. Well the pandemic's what closed Ring of Honor up. There's Delirious. Delirious just showed up in Impact. Talk about slumming. Oh, Jesus so sorry. Christ. He's wrestling in Impact, not even booking. Tony Khan is so adamant that he thinks that he knows what the fuck he's doing that Delirious Hunter Johnston, a guy with over 10 years experience booking Ring of Honor, young talent the modern style. He was free for six months. They didn't hire him. Gabe Sapolsky, the guy who before that in Ring of Honor was the guy. Oh, he's the guy that works with all the young talent, discovers all the Tony Khan. Don't hire him, but he'll take people that work in his company that have never been in any of those positions before and give them promotions. So he doesn't have to talk to as much of the talent, but we're still back on raw. And boy, at this point in time, it was easily two hours into this program. And I was, I was already to be quite honest with you, ready to turn in for the night, Brian. And you know, I was just thinking, How in the world am I going to get a good night's sleep with nightmarish depictions of all of these rotten matches and redundant finishes running through my head like sugar plums the night before Christmas? And then I realized I don't have to worry about going to sleep and getting a good night's sleep no matter what I watch because when I lay my brilliant head down on the pillow, it's going to be on top of a Helix Sleep mattress. And that it doesn't matter what's gone on in your life. It doesn't matter how miserable you are. It doesn't matter how stressed you are. It doesn't matter. I'm telling you, just go next door to the next door neighbor that makes meth under their basement, uh, in their basement, or under their kitchen sink, and get about an ounce and a half of methamphetamine. No. And snort all that up. Stop. No, do not snort lay down any illicit drugs. A Helix no. sleep mattress, and no. you'll still go
1: to sleep. Listen, everyone. Don't do that. It could be hazardous to your health, but what won't be hazardous to your health, what may actually propel your health, would be a good night's sleep. Helio Gracie said that he slept, I think, 12 hours a night. Maybe it was 10. I don't even know. But you could do that, too, on a Helix Sleep mattress.
0: Is that why they have their own Helix Sleep Helio Gracie special, the Helix Helio?
1: I do not believe they have that special certainly not in the copy i have in front of me so i know they do not have that special
0: well they ought to shouldn't they but no here's the thing whatever you do it doesn't matter what you do it doesn't matter how you abuse your body it doesn't matter what kind of horrible chemicals you ingest you're always going to go to sleep on a helix sleep mattress it just some of this stuff if you take too much of it you might never get up again but that won't be helix's fault because they they've They've come through with their part of the bargain. They've given you the best, most state-of-the-art, comfortable mattress ever. If you want to do black tar heroin intravenously on it, and you end up dying and, and melting into the mattress, it's not their fault. What? they fulfilled their
1: part of the bargain. I don't think melting into the mattress is part of the dying process well, they when don't you overdose the, on heroin.
0: If they don't find the body for a few months... You melt into the mattress? You just kind of decompose right into the mattress. Right, well, Milton, it's the same thing, and here's another it's thing. It's not the same thing. It, well, here's a, it's another thing that's very similar. A lot of you people out there, the, the cult of Cornette, they're getting up in age. They're up almost as old as me in their 40s or 50s. Well, you can get bed sores from a lot of these garden-variety mattresses, but these HelixSleep.com mattresses, boy, howdy, I'll tell you what, I have been on them for years and have not gotten one bed sore. Take that for what you will. And Do it why with that information as you see fit. And why don't we talk about that aspect
1: of it, the fact that in your house, in Castle Cornet, in my house, in Last Manor, we both have multiple Helix Sleep mattresses, and we love them. We have yes. firm ones. We have ones that, I don't know what, not loose, but not as firm. <laughs> we have a lot yeah, of loose. Ones.
0: We have loose mattresses. I don't know where to go from here, but ladies and gentlemen, they have great mattresses. We have you a you lot of them in on. our home. And not one time have either one of us ever got a bed sore. You know, if you lay on some of the cheap mattresses long enough, then your skin kind of grows into the fabric. And then when you peel it off well, your skin comes with it, and goddamn, then you've got, I'll tell you what, we had pieces of Uncle Tommy on one of our old mattresses for months after he last slept here. But that was not a Helix Sleep mattress. No, it wasn't. That's why we changed. We said, we've got to get a mattress that doesn't have so many pieces of Uncle Tommy on it. And that's where we found the fine folks at Helix Sleep. All right. And folks, you just take a quiz. You just answer a few simple questions. It's not really an interrogation. They do come to your house and shine a light in your eyes, but that's that's just to check your, your pupils and the dilation factor. But you take a quiz and and they they pick the perfect mattress for you. Do you like sleep on your side or your back or your stomach or whatever? Soft, medium, firm, loose mattress, whatever you like. And then, once they recommend one, you purchase it, it's delivered to your door, it's in a box that one person can actually move around, this space-age technology, you put it right where you want it, you take it out of the package, and it just comes to life. And remember, it doesn't spring to life, it slowly inflates to life, so... You're not going to get a broken nose or hitting the balls or anything when this thing just, it's not like you pull a rip cord and suddenly just bam. It doesn't do that. You got time to get out of the way. So go to HelixSleep.com right now. HelixSleep.com slash J-C-E. That's H-E-L-I-X. HelixSleep.com slash J-C-E. They're offering up to $200 off all mattress orders and two free pillows but you got to go right now and take that quiz and order that mattress. And I guarantee you when that mattress shows up, there will not be one single piece of uncle Tommy on it. Better sleep starts right now with HelixSleep.com. That's right. Better sleep with helix sleep. I do approve of that.
1: And I don't approve of going back to raw, but let's let you finish what you started.
0: Well, uh, I will finish what we started and I, and also, um, do you have any pieces of your family oh members God. from the last time they slept there? No. Why? Sometimes on I your think, mattress. Sometimes I think we moved on, and you go back to the
1: thing. I well, I'm just we why I didn't give from. you a
0: chance to respond if you know if you had anybody's skin or epidermis still stuck to anything from last time that they were. We certainly don't, and certainly not from Uncle Tommy. All righty. Well, the next up on Raw was Ms. TV at least Tommaso Champa has his first name back. We can thank heaven for small miracles, but I wrote fuck me more talk at this point because now we're two hours more than two hours in the program. And Miz is still mad at Dexter Loomis and he's obviously Loomis is a psychopath and he's been hounding Miz and hiding and, plotting and planning or whatever well he calls loomis out to meet him face to face if loomis was here right now why i'd do this and that and the other thing and then they see they get a, a close-up the camera does of the mat behind miz in the ring a giant butcher knife comes up through the canvas and is cutting a hole in a canvas and everybody sees it now miz has his back turned to it but Tommaso's there in the ring, and Tommaso had just walked out a camera shot. I don't know where he was that he wasn't seeing this. But finally, Loomis comes through the canvas, and I remember how cool this was thirty years ago when we started doing it. Yeah, I, I, they did it once in, well, I did it in in uh, Smoky Mountain Wrestling with, with Unibom in '95. And where was it that they had done it first? Who it was uh, Undertaker and Diesel
1: did it in uh, WWF around that period of time too.
0: Well, yeah, but in they, they did it in Memphis where Tommy Rich came from yeah. under the ring, but then Undertaker came through the ring. But it, and then we decided to do that because we figured out a way. We only had to buy one extra fucking canvas. We didn't have to fuck the ring up. This thing, you need a special effects budget on some of this stuff. But anyway... So he comes through the goddamn canvas and starts pulling Miz into the hole. And then Tommaso's like, oh shit. And he rescues the Miz and then Loomis tries to pull Tommaso in. And the heels roll out of the ring to escape. And Loomis is sticking halfway up through the ring from underneath, making a face at him. And then just ducks back underneath the ring. (laughs) That's right. Where's he going to go now? I understand being under the ring to surprise somebody, but you're going to go back under there now that the surprise is over. The point, and they went to a break. So again, okay, the cool visual, the fucking psychopath coming through the ring. I got that part, but if that's how you get out of it, he tries to pull one in, and the the his cohort saves that guy. So he tries to pull a cohort in, and the first guy saves him. And then the psychopath just looks at him standing there, and then ducks back under the ring. And the heels just leave without trying to go under there with a fucking chair or a gun, hand grenade, whatever. They just all leave. And I don't know how Dexter left because he went back under the ring. Is there a Is there a tunnel? Is it like where they get the president out of the White House? They can take him down to White Sulphur Springs? Uh,
1: What'd you think of this? Again, I watched it in the background, but... Ah, the background. But I got to see the whole show, just I didn't get to hear the reaction or whatever Miz was saying on the mic. I mean, this is kind of how they were using Loomis in NXT. You know, he's this weird, creepy serial killer that just pops up and for some reason is never apprehended or sent away
0: but does it make him scary or intimidating if when he fails to pull these people down to the dungeon of doom down under the ring or whatever that he doesn't come out and attempt to go after them if he wants them that bad <laughs> that he goddamn went through all this plotting and planning and they're still standing 15 feet away with shocked looks on their faces. Why didn't he go after them? Because he's a baby face. Baby
1: faces do not <sighs> alter the plan if it doesn't go as expected. Braun Strowman did not charge after Otis the other day. He just yelled at him. And Dexter <sighs> Loomis did not succeed in grabbing the ankles of either Miz or Champa, so he just slowly lowered himself back down into his pit. <laughs> It really is is. ridiculous when you visualize his face. Yes. (laughs) And this
0: is the reaction against. That's the point, I guess. Yes. (laughs) All right, time for the main event. Guess what it was? Alexa Bliss versus Bailey for 20 minutes. Finally, uh, uh, they were going into the finish. The other girls were around ringside. Alexa got lost in some fashion, and Bailey had to. Convey to her something with a little awkward herky jerkiness until finally uh, she DDT'd Bailey and went to the top rope, and one of the heels pushed her off, and then Bailey hit her finish one, two, three. And then the heels got even more heat and laid out Bianca. So hopefully that's where we're going to Bailey and Bianca, which will be worth watching at some point. And that was raw, three hours of it. And again, wh- how are they surprised that this is a, a commitment from people to spend three hours of their life shlogging through this thing when it moves so fucking slowly?
1: That's the thing. And that's, we just talked about the three hour issue recently in Triple H's previous comments about two hours versus three hours. If you're going to do three hours and they are because of the money they're getting, there has
0: to be another way to do it so it doesn't feel like this every week. And again, you know, they've got they've got umpteen wrestlers under contract in that company. And now raw guys are on smackdown and smackdown guys are on raw and the brand split is nebulous or whatever. They can't just get more? I mean, even if you just have a guy that can have a 5-minute fucking match. Just do that and instead of having A 15-minute interview and a 20-minute match, have a five-minute interview and a 15-minute match, and use those other goddamn 10 or 15 minutes for two or three new talents that maybe can just have a five-minute match. I mean, it's not like they're gonna set the world on fire with ratings for that, but it's not like they're setting the world on fire for ratings right now. And again, as in all seriousness, Some change to the formatting, something to make things move a little like they did. And again, two hours and three hours is not a vast difference. Raw in the late 90s moved at a quicker pace. Part of it was the plethora of talent, but part of it was the way that even Vince was formatting things back then and told us to format things and explained to us why. And all of that's been thrown out the window. Oh, ay, yeah, yeah. ay. Anyway, we also, um, it was Friday Night Smackdown last night and I had time to watch the first segment and I want to make mention of this because this was a talking segment that flew by that was so good that you wanted to hear that you were involved in and you wanted to see what happened at the end. And when you did see it, you're like, ah, they got me. And I know you can't have that in every segment because you don't have enough Paul Heymans and Roman Reigns and Sami Zayn's. But in this case, we'll talk more about the rest of SmackDown on, on the drive through in a few days, but, the first segment out comes Roman reigns with the bloodline so low, and both the Usos and Haman and Sammy and everybody involved in this was perfect in what they did. All Roman reigns has to do is is stand there and he can talk, but when he's a man of few words cause he's got Haman do the other stuff, it just makes him look like a bigger star. Haman is tremendous, the inflection the verbal capacity the expressions my god um and sammy zane was perfect in this they did a long tease about how now that they had solo it looked like they were going to kick sammy out of the group even to the point of rain saying take that bloodline shirt off i don't want to see you wearing that again and sammy's facial expressions and the hummina hummina in his voice and his attitude. And then finally, the reveal is that Roman Reigns has him a new T-shirt, honorary oos, And, oh, then the relief on Sammy's face. And now Jay's the one that doesn't like him, right? I don't Jay know which U- one. Yeah. Well, whatever. Jay Uso's, oh, ah, goddammit, because he knew that Sammy was about to get kicked out. They have built this thing perfect with this dynamic in the group. And everybody's doing a great job with it, and it it was entertaining to watch and it even though yes, you can examine if Sammy Zayn was a grown- up adult, he probably wouldn't be doing many of the things he's doing or thinking many of the things he's thinking, but the way they've done it and talk about it and carry it off, you don't sit there and it doesn't slap you in the face you You can take the ride with him, you can work with him on it, and that's what wrestling used to be and You know, at least this is somewhat entertaining. So I like that part of SmackDown. I don't know what the fuck else is going to go on. We'll see that when we get to it.
1: I thought it was great. Sami Zayn is perfect in this role, and the facial expressions from him and Roman Reigns, the way everything was built up here, as cheesy as it could be, it worked. And I thought it was great. It was the highlight of the show, the 15 minutes of them standing there and talking. I don't know what else
0: to say about him. Really, yeah. Well, and that's the thing. Cheesy doesn't always equate with phony or silly. If it's talented people doing the doing the deal, that can make you believe. Because Sammy Zane can make you believe that he's that weaselly fucking chicken shit the the, the whole nine yards but now the people are starting to get behind it because they want to see him welcomed into the fucking group or whatever and they're and they're they were chanting for him Sammy Sammy they thought he was gonna get fucked up and he didn't so they were pleased about it but that's the thing is we just need about five more Heyman six more Roman reigns and I never thought I'd say this a couple more Sammy Zane's
1: well, make sure you, when you watch SmackDown, you watch the next match, which was Liv Morgan versus Lacey
0: Evans. Oh, boy. You know what? I may need to scramble the signal on that one. You know, and, and I mentioned this earlier, Brian, you said you didn't want to Google certain things like, I love you, Colonel Sanders, or how to have sex with a chicken or whatever it may be. No, no, no. no. That was not it. It was, is it legal to have sex with a sheep? In Japan. you did. Yeah, that's that's one of the things. And, and, you know, when you Googled it last time, you didn't think about it. But now that we've been I've having never, these commercials. No, I've
1: never Googled that.
0: I thought you were going to say you've never thought about it afterwards. I've never well, thought about it. I've never well, Googled it. Folks, if you need to Google where it's legal to have sex with a sheep or anything else, then Not sometimes that. or anything else. Sometimes you might not want everybody knowing what you're doing on the internet, right? And, and we've, we've said that, that going online without something to protect your security on your internet system is like leaving your kids with the nearest stranger while you're using the bathroom. Most of the time it's probably fine, but every once in a while you end up having to buy that child back on the, on the dark web. And, and those kids can get expensive enough just raising them normally without having to buy them back every couple of years. So why would you ever want to risk that? That's a lot of money. As a matter of fact, a lot of kids are left in, in, in situations like that where their parents can't afford to purchase them back and they end up becoming wards of the state and costing us all a bunch of money. But that's what happens to you, folks. No. Every time you connect, to an unencrypted network you run the risk of having to buy your own children back from the dark web. And a- any time you get on the internet in cafes, hotels, airports, whorehouses, the bunny ranch out in Nevada, basically any network that is not your own, your online data is not secured. So any hacker on the same network can gain access to and steal your personal data. I'm talking about your passwords, financial details the you know your swiss bank accounts candid photography candid photography that's a big one they they're wanting to try to steal the names of all of your your people on adult friend finder anything (laughs) this is (laughs) express vpn those folks create a secure encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet so that hackers cannot steal your data Once they build this tunnel that's in between the device, your device, and the internet, they will take a gerbil or a small furry animal and run it through the tunnel to make sure there's no blockage it. So you could have a gerbil running around back and forth in between your tunnel on the first day. No, you won't. No,
1: they don't. And of course, this is a virtual tunnel. But to tie it back to what you're saying, if you were on Adult Friend Finder and you had a lot of friends, maybe you can use this virtual tunnel to hide them as they sneak out.
0: Yes, because that's, that's what your internet service provider does to you. You know, we've been talking about this, and it's a growing problem. I'm reading about it everywhere. When they come to your house to work on your internet, two guys show up. When they leave, only one leaves because the other one is inside your walls. And your internet service provider is keeping an eye on what you do on your on your computer so that they can potentially sell that information to foreign governments or your own wife. So. If you go to ExpressVPN, like I said, they build that tunnel. They come in with all kinds of heavy equipment. It won't take long, one or two weeks at most. And there will be a tunnel underneath your home all the way to your internet service provider. And inside that tunnel, they will put a guard dog to keep that guy that secreted himself inside your walls from coming out through the plugs and or the dryer vent in the middle of the night. How would that happen? what did you see that article on the news Uh, not article on the but uh, report on the news of the guy that was secreted in the wall and tried to come through the dryer vent in the middle of the night and 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 the dog actually got him and stopped him ate his nose off when he was stuck there and he just he was stuck there his head was sticking out the dog just came and started chewing on his nose it was gruesome footage but Express VPN will protect you from having your nose eaten by a dog You won't even have to get inside the wall. They do it for you. And folks, if now, if you're convinced that you need ExpressVPN worse than a sick man needs penicillin, and you should, because you do, all you got to do is go to ExpressVPN. Let me spell that for you. VPN. ExpressVPN.com slash JCE. You fire up the app. You click one button. You're instantly protected and there's no protection like express VPN. I'm telling you there, the, the chances of you impregnating anyone once you're protected by express VPN are nil and you'll get three extra months free when you slash J C E go to expressvpn.com slash J C E three extra months free. Protect your devices, your laptops, your phones, your tablets. Your plug-in vibrators, whatever you need to protect, ExpressVPN will keep an eye on it for you. So you can just put it down sometimes just on the sidewalk and walk off. ExpressVPN will be keeping an eye on it. You'll know where it is at all points. ExpressVPN. Well, heck fire, Brian, since you're not up on all the news such as these people getting stuck in dryer vents while trying to climb into your home. What's going on with the wrestling news this week? I'm up to date with everything happening in the world of wrestling because of the wrestling news. Of course,
1: Arcadian Vanguard's The Wrestling News. Look for The Wrestling News wherever you find your favorite podcast or go to thewrestlingnews.com. Free, daily, morning wrestling newscast covering everything that happened without any opinion, without any conjecture. Just the actual wrestling news. Did you fall asleep in the middle of Raw? Find out what happened the next morning on The Wrestling News. Did someone break their nose doing something stupid? Find out the next morning on The Wrestling News. (laughs) And this can repeat and repeat and repeat, and it does. Every day, 10 to 15 minutes, find out what's happening in the world of wrestling without any spin. The Wrestling News at TheWrestlingNews.com. And of course, The Wrestling News, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Jim, also want to make mention of Shut Up and Wrestle with Brian Solomon at suawpod.com, available wherever you find your favorite podcasts. The most recent episode features an interview with Seth Turner from the International Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame in upstate New York. Hear that today, suawpod.com. And of course, the 605 Super Podcast, The Membership! Go through the archives today and thank you to everyone who has been. Go through the archives today at 605pod.com, available wherever you find your favorite podcast,
0: the 605 Super Podcast. My ears are ringing. All right. Um, there are things going on in the world of AEW still yet. Of course, the EVPs apparently still suspended, um punk has apparently undergone surgery still suspended we don't know what's going on with that but a new name has emerged to take the attention away from all these things bobby fish has never gotten this much press in his life bobby fish is everywhere these days he challenged punk to a fight now apparently they have uh, he has been accused or fingered as it depending on whether he's guilty or not of trying to poach talent from AEW to go back to the WWE. Is this what I'm hearing that the report was that he was trying to talk the other members of the undisputed era, Adam Cole and Kyle O'Reilly into leaving and going back to the WWE.
1: You know, again, let's just recap for a second. We saw Bobby fish with the former members of the undisputed era turn on the young bucks yeah. Then we never saw him again on AEW TV. Right. Then we heard he's never coming back. Right. Then we find out that him and Punk have problems, which makes everyone reevaluate that match with Punk, including him kicking out of the Four finish.
0: Kicked out of the finish. Yeah.
1: And didn't give Punk very much during the match. If you really go back and watch it. And now we are to believe also that the story is he tried to get O'Reilly and Cole to go back with him to WWE.
0: But then the story takes a more disturbing turn because not only do they apparently not want to go back to the WWE, but now Adam Cole has been hurt, injured, hasn't wrestled in months. And Kyle O'Reilly, we have heard has just had some type of neck surgery and is probably not going to wrestle for many months. And apparently without Cole and O'Reilly, the welcome wagon was not backed up just for Bobby Fish himself and he just debuted in Impact, the purgatory of of pro wrestling where people go to disappear. So apparently without the rest of the era, Bobby's era in WWE is still over. But now we're finding out that that's not the only person he was trying to talk Colin O'Reilly into leaving and going back. But apparently the the WWE and/or emissaries, representatives, uh, agents, if you will, provocateurs, perhaps, are talking to everybody and trying to get the old gang back together again. So much so that, and and we know that Tony, in the meeting a few weeks ago with talent, told them that they were sending legal letters to the WWE about contract tampering. But there's all kinds of ways that you can find out when somebody's contract is up without an official of the company having to make an official inquiry. And there's all kinds of ways that you can let a guy know that, you know, boy, we sure would like to have so and so if he wasn't under contract somebody else. So this seems to be the right time to play that game. New guy in charge at WWE not the demented billionaire that everybody was mad at. Combine that with chaos backstage in the locker room and civil war in AEW and different camps, and, and then people saying, well, goddamn, we actually had something going, and now the whole thing may have fallen apart because of the EVPs. So this is the right time for the WWE to find out just how many of those... AEW guys really want to be there now, and whether it was just they were going there because that was more palatable than putting their career in the hands of Vince McMahon at 80 years old. Your thoughts, Brian?
1: It's an interesting time, and when you talk to wrestlers, what they're saying is very interesting. You're not hearing too many people say, no, I would never ever consider WWE, like you have in the past, even when they would. Right. You're hearing interest. And I think it's two things. It's one, some faith in Paul Levesque, whether that's well-placed or not, time will tell. And the other is, despite being generally liked by everyone, I think a lot of people, in contrast to Paul Levesque, see Tony Khan's, I don't know what you call it, behavior or just the way he conducts himself as... The person in charge and they may not be as comfortable with that with their career in that hand than they would maybe the hands of wwe <clears throat> uh, i think that's part of it you know i could say that the wrestling news this week when looking at every one that was reporting stuff fightful select and the wrestling observer newsletter reported malachi black ftr and swerve strickland as being talents that were contacted by wwe since paul Ovet got into power i know there are other people I know there are other people. So it's very interesting. Now, everyone has a connection to have worked there under him in NXT. I guess
0: that's part of the story, too, right? Well, yeah. And, uh, you know, that's the thing is a lot of these people were very happy in NXT and didn't want to go to the main roster because they wanted to work for Triple H and didn't want to take a chance on what Vince would burden them with in the way of a gimmick or a name or lack of name or whatever the case. Now that's not happening. And now that there's been three years of this experiment in self-rule by the inmates, they're saying, Tony's melting down. There's fights and chaos in the locker room. Guys are hurt constantly because of the, not only the style that they all insist on working, but because of the green factor in a lot of the fucking talent they're trying to do too much. That's, Over their heads, trying to compete and get over. So everybody's always hurt. And they've got to be thinking now, is Tony going to have a fucking stroke? He's had the chance after chance to hire experienced people. We just talked about it earlier in the program. He didn't hire Delirious. He didn't hire Gabe Sapolsky. He hired fucking guys that already worked there to do another job so that he doesn't have to talk to all the talent. That's basically what those promotions were it wasn't anybody new to take charge of something and get it going in the right direction or bring a new look to the thing it was more promotions from within for guys that already aren't really experienced in what they were doing to do more of it or just to talk to people because Tony doesn't have time So now it comes. Do you, if you're an aspiring wrestler, do you want to sign with and trust your career in the hands of the largest company of its kind in the world that has, is not going to go out of business, has guaranteed income for years to come, and is as stable as anything can possibly be? Or a company that is run by one inexperienced guy that is obviously fucking needing a goddamn vacation who has not got people in charge that can carry any of the responsibility for him. If something happens to him and whose television network has just been the victim of the being the small half of a merger where new people are in charge and they're cutting costs. The worm turns quickly. And a lot of that's some wormy stuff that people are gonna have to think about before they sign contracts going forward. It's not just the place where all of the wrestlers that like each other can go to have fun now. Now they actually have to perform over the long run and be a business and an ongoing concern, and that's where things have gone sideways. If you were a wrestler today, and put yourself as much as you can out of
1: the Jim Cornette mindset and, you know, maybe some old school mindset into a modern wrestler. If you are a modern wrestler today, is it a bigger risk signing with AEW now than it was when AEW first started due to the nature of what's happening in media, due to the changes in WWE? Is it riskier today to sign a three-year or five-year deal with AEW than it was in 2019?
0: Oh, good God, yeah. I mean, riskier in terms of, at least at that point... Not only did everybody kind of know what they were going to get working for Vince, but they didn't have any idea of how big or good this might be with AEW, because it was still in the planning stage and still you know, a brand new thing that was going to happen. Now, not only has WWE rectified some of their drawbacks, but AEW, some of their drawbacks have now been exposed after a few years of self-rule by the inmates with no clear leadership and no business structure in place past, you know, one of the Bucks' wives running merchandise. And, oh God, I guess now AEW has no more female fans now that Brandy's gone because she was running AEW Heels. But it was, (sighs) it was a great idea to have all of these nice people doing these things, but none of them had any experience whatsoever at this level it's it was foolish and it a starting point at best and it has to proceed and it hasn't progressed it's still and unfortunately now tony doesn't have any evps at all now so he's going to do more it, it so yeah it's definitely a bigger risk and the risks have switched sides anyway and if you're wwe
1: if you're triple h if you're nick Khan, you know this you're kind of using that when you're well i'm not going to say they're approaching wrestlers but you're using that yeah subliminally to wrestlers out there they kind of know that the tide has changed and they're wanting to be reached out to
0: in a lot of cases well saying that's the thing you know with the wwe they from the start of this thing have had the idea that okay regardless of what's going on right now we got to keep an eye on these people and their competition and they've got a real television network blah 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 but as i've been saying since the start they've also been looking at who's in charge who's running it what's their background what's their experience what are we seeing in front of us and they after they had seen aew as a program They were not impressed and they weren't as worried as they were when it was a concept, an idea, that a billionaire would be on TBS. Now they've seen it and they're like, okay, now we know how to combat this thing and let's prey on the the weaknesses that they are obviously showing in terms of convincing other talent you shouldn't go there because it's fucking chaos and they've got plenty of shit to point to. So, and I don't care which side you're on, if you think that everything that we're saying here is not happening and is not true, you're just crazy. You're just crazy. It's just happening. That's the thing. And meanwhile, does anybody want to go to AEW, regardless of whether the WWE is interested in them or not? If you go to AEW and within six months end up in a goddamn iron lung or, you know, paralyzed, or at a body cast, or with artificial body parts. I've never seen anything like this. And poor Julia Hart trended on Twitter this morning for whatever she was thinking last night and I get for people who haven't seen this. When you say thinking,
1: whatever she was talked into, I think is probably more. Well,
0: no, I'm sure she was all on board with it. I'm sure that she was, oh, yeah, because again, these are teenage. She's a teenager. If she didn't just turn 20, these are young kids. They're on national TV. It's been their dream to do this. I understand the mindset, but I never. Allowed myself to be thrown off something headfirst to a concrete floor. I dropped off the scaffold. Same concept, a little bit different risk factor. I stuck my chin out and let Bill Watts slap me full out because I knew it was going to make money. But that was a calculated risk. I saw sparkly things for quite some time, but I lived afterwards. Didn't have to have surgery. These, they're, they're not having to be talked into this stuff. They're doing it willingly. They need to be talked out of it. And I mean, just the, if, if what she had tried to do went right, it was stupid. And I'm not saying she was stupid. I'm saying it was stupid for that to be allowed for any producer. Or if Tony wants to claim he's the booker, then the responsibility rests on him. If you didn't see it, folks, Julia Hart has now joined the House of Black, and they were doing a missed spot where they the guy missed it. Another guy in the ring. Did you see who that, it was? It was it was it little Buddy or who was it? It was it was the great Muda misting Buddy Murphy. Okay, that's right. Yeah, because Muda showed up because again, God damn it. Brian, did they sell out the Grand Slam in New York at Arthur Ashe Stadium? Did they sell out all the tickets that were available? They did not this year, no. They did not. Do but you th- they made more money. It was a higher game. Well, yeah, they raised the ticket prices. So I'm sure all the people are like, oh, great, thank you. Point I'm making is they had tickets available. The Great Muta in New York. Came out as a surprise, unadvertised, and did a missed spot. You're telling me they couldn't have advertised the great Muda will be for They didn't have to say what he was going to do. But the, because Tony is a 1990s WCW mark. ECW mark. Well, he's every kind of 90, 90s mark. But they brought out the great Muda as a surprise to do a missed spot with the House of Black on their B-show. And I guess Sting is going over for his retirement ceremony or whatever. That's great for the folks in Japan. But meanwhile, instead of facilitating some ticket sales in Japan for another company, Tony, you might could have sold some for yourself on it. But nevertheless, where we were going with Julia. So Muda, Miss Buddy Murphy, Buddy Murphy staggers backwards and julia's on the apron and buddy bumps into julia and julia is supposed to get knocked off the apron and go through a table on the floor to the floor which as i mentioned is stupid enough there's no reason for that there was no reason for this 120 pound 20 year old girl to go through a fucking table to a concrete floor as a spot on the B show. The mist was enough. We got to see Moo to do the mist. But she didn't do that spot anyway. What she did was she leaped backwards like the nesty plunge bump that Cactus Jack took against Mil Mascaris and Corpus Christi at that Clash of Champions and missed the table. Her... I don't know what kind of tables they're using these days because her little tiny ass hit the far edge of the table and broke a chunk out of it. But her entire body, including the back of her fucking head, went straight past the table, flat back on the concrete floor. And if you slow-mo this, you will realize that the back of her head missed the iron or steel guard railing by maybe a couple of inches, and that at that velocity, going at that speed, at that angle, if the back of her head had hit the guardrail, it would have snapped her neck and she would died on the spot. I'm surprised that she doesn't have a concussion. I'm surprised that she actually. Well, we don't know that she doesn't have a concussion, to be fair. Well, she's tweeted that she's okay. Oh, whatever I didn't, that means. I didn't she know did that. tweet that this morning. I'm okay. Well's okay mean you're living, but you can no longer see? I mean, I don't know what to... But this it was, was taped Wednesday, though. Okay, well, there you go. I'll, well, because they didn't say anything so far because they didn't want to ruin the surprise of what was going to happen. But when everybody saw it and she trended like, is Julia Hart still alive? She had to say something. The point is, it's irresponsible. It shouldn't be you should have to talk People into anything in wrestling, but it shouldn't be that you have to talk them out of it either. They ought to know. They ought to be smarter. They ought to be trained better. There ought to be someone in charge. Instead of the guys going, Oh, yeah, I know how you feel. I want to get over on TV too, and I've done a bunch of crazy shit. They ought to be saying, I know how you feel, and that's why I'm going to stop you because it's not worth it, and you're already over, and you look great, and we'll find something else for you to do. But there's no reason for you to fall off the apron through a table to a concrete floor, especially when, and here's another thing, all these goddamn experienced garbage match havers that they probably got around there. She's flying backwards at a table set crossways. Where is the back of your head supposed to go? At least if they'd have set the table long ways and she goes straight backwards. The back of her head, if she takes a bump and tucks her head, the back of her head's going to go on the table instead of over the table and onto the floor and fold her up like a jackknife. But it's just stupid regardless. So we're glad she's all right. And it ain't going to last forever. They're going to have somebody paralyzed on live television doing this stupid, needless shit. And then how's that going to affect their... Fucking contract renewal. What were you gonna say? In terms of
1: Tony and what you said earlier, the idea that Tony was a big ECW fan and a lot of the things he does may have come from that influence. Paul Heyman was hooked on having a surprise at shows, as you know. It was one of the things yes. Chris Candido <laughs> pitched to you about
0: it. Yeah, we go. We, we don't have a surprise. Okay, well, we have a surprise every show. Well, then it's probably not a surprise, is it? you go in expecting it, go ahead.
1: I don't know if that's exactly the reason why, but I'm sure it's an influence on why. Do you think Tony relies too much on this? Because it's happened many times, the whole surprise appearance. The lights go out and someone's shockingly there. Is it too much?
0: Well, I mean, everybody's always going to pop, especially the AEW fans, again, because they, they want they have a vested interest in wanting everything about that program to be good. So they're going to pop on surprise appearances if they didn't know somebody was going to be there and they recognize who they are. And it doesn't really wear off because it's not like you're surprised appearing the same person every time. So it's always a big pop the first time. But the problem becomes when there's a tradition or a habit or a pattern of everybody getting a huge pop their first night in, and by the time they've been there a month, nobody gives two shits. That's the problem. It's not, do they are they happy to see you the first night? It's, will they keep coming back, and are they happy to see you again? And that, in large part, relies not only on who the talent is, but how they are presented and booked. And what... Which talent that made a surprise debut in in AEW since their start is more over, more popular, doing better, more prominently featured now than they were when they made that surprise appearance? Help me. I can only think of one, Moxley. Moxley. Well, there you go, because... And that was the very beginning, too. Well, and, and also because he's been either the champion or a goddamn presented as a main event guy for that entire run. And unfortunately we've never had time to really miss him because he hardly ever goes away except for the one time that was obviously advertised as where he was going. Anyway, are you, are you ready? Let's run through the grand slam real quick. Poor Arthur Ashe spinning in his grave. Um, (sighs) Is it my imagination? I haven't gone back and watched the program from last year. I know they didn't, and I'm not knocking again their crowd. They didn't sell out this year 20,000 people. They had over 10,000. It wasn't full, but still, it's a giant place. Did It would have
1: it 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 sold out the garden with the modern, uh, the way the seats are currently, I believe. Right,
0: right. But the point is, did it look like a bigger crowd last year because the way they shot it, this year, the stage and the set looked great, but that dominated every shot in the field of vision. You couldn't see the people. They had a stadium, and it looked like an indoor crowd of five thousand people.
1: Well, they had seven thousand, give or take, less people. So that, and a lot of that was in the okay, uh, but that the means they Bowl. had
0: thirteen thousand. I'm just, I'm just telling you, and I'm not giving Kevin Dunn any credit for this. But the WWE, when they've got a medium-sized crowd, they shoot it like it's goddamn. WrestleMania three, there's the impression that there's more people there than there is. In this case, it was shot, and appeared to me like there were less people there than there were last year. It seemed more impressive
1: because it was more impressive. So, but I'm, I'm
0: talking about the shots of the building.
1: No, you've still, but they couldn't you still shoot.
0: Had- I think
1: they were limited because again, it's a tennis stadium and the way it goes up. You couldn't shoot high because as soon as you shot high, you would expose that there was no one there.
0: Okay, but there were shots that I saw of the lower bowl, and there was a lot of floor seats, and they could have—they just had static shots of like a group of people. They could have done pans. They could have had a jib. If they had the jib and panned the entire floor and did a circle, it would have been a thirty-second uninterrupted shot of people. Different.
1: Now they should do stuff like that. I'm not disagreeing with you because when you have a crowd like that. And even if it's only 13,000 and change, you're in a stadium, it looks good.
0: you got to be capturing lots of footage like that. I agree. So, get the jib, Captain. Anyway, so the first match, ah, damn. Chris Jericho enters, and the audience, especially in New York, does the sing-along. They know every word. Why be a heel? If you're gonna have the if you're gonna encourage the people to sing your song, Why Be a Heel? Or if you wanna be a heel, why don't you take the song away from the people because the ego gets in the way? There's a difference between reinventing yourself and bouncing back and forth between being a heel and a baby face when it fits your outside the ring projects. Um, but it was for the Ring of Honor title, Claudio castagnoli the brand new champion that just won that title from the little short fella that stormed out. Jonathan Gresham, I believe, was there his. There you name. go. He's he's gone back to writing novels. Oh, will you stop it? And it was good that they had Ian Riccaboni on commentary. And the only, I would saying, okay, name, value, star, power. We got Chris Jericho in the opening match. What a better way to establish the Ring of Honor title is something that stars want to go for. And he and Claudio, I'm sure, will have a good match. And I don't even, I'm not even going to critique the fucking match. It was, Claudio's great. We know that. This was okay for Jericho these days. There was one point that Jericho <laughs> went down on the floor and tried to hide behind Kerry Silken and tried to sucker punch Claudio and missed Claudio with the punch. He was six inches short. Claudio didn't realize he had to sell it kind of anyway, like, ooh, did I get hit? But I'm thinking back to Tyler Black and Davy Richards. I'm thinking back to Eddie Edwards and Roderick Strong. I'm thinking back to fucking Jay Le- I'm thinking back to all these State of the art modern style Ring of Honor world title matches that I saw and that have been held over the last 10 years or so. And I'm pretty sure that the Ring of Honor fans of 2012 would not have dug this as a Ring of Honor world title match. It's not the same. Is it? it, 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 it what they've done is Tony bought a company because he was a mark for the fucking initials and the video library. And that's fine. Now you got a video library, but he's tried to keep the promotion alive on his television program that for another promotion. And all it's done is clutter everything up with multiple championships where nobody can keep track of everything. And this match did more to tell the, Fans that did exist of Ring of Honor over the last 10 years, well, nothing you liked about the promotion you liked is going to be involved in what we're doing. Because this is a standard WWF-style match, and I don't want to ruin anything for anybody, but guess who the new Ring of Honor world champion is? Fucking hell. So there poor Claudio. Claudio gets signed. Claudio comes in, has all the goodwill from the fans. They love him. They're wanting to see him get a chance. He was shit on in the other place. Then they put the Ring of Honor world title on him. And the very next time we see him in any kind of fucking legitimate television program, maybe he's been on fucking YouTube defending the title, he gets beat by Chris Jericho. Who, if Chris Jericho had put Claudio Castagnoli over here, it wouldn't have hurt him one iota. Chris Jericho to still been the same person he always was over just as much. It would have helped Claudio and it would have helped establish the ring of honor title as being something somebody would want. But now Claudio is here's his Dixon in his hand again. And the ring of honor fans obviously don't want to see Chris Jericho defend the ring of honor title because that's the whole idea is that you're getting the modern matches with ring of honor and that ain't what you get with Chris Jericho just the modern Falderall outside the ring so this was pretty much the absolute worst thing you could do put a fucking the ring of honor title on a guy that no fans of ring of honor would want to see have the matches for the world title beat Claudio when he still had a hope had a chance of getting over. And and by the way, in the the finish. So, ladies and gentlemen, Claudio finally gets the giant swing, and fucking hit Jericho with a two or with a clothesline and got a two count. And right then, I said, boy, it would really mean something for Claudio if he wins this. And at that point, Jericho goes and gets the bat in front of the referee Aubrey Ed. He swings the bat at Claudio. Claudio blocks it, takes it away from him. Did she disqualify anybody? Nay, nee, she did not. She grabs the bat and puts it out of the ring. And while she's doing that, Jericho, Claudio goes for a fucking powerbomb. Jericho backdrops him. He lands on his feet and staggers forward and almost hits Aubrey in the corner and she, in a very stagey way, turns around and covers up, and Jericho kicks him in the balls and hits the Judas, one, two, three. And then the fans cheer the hell out of the heel for fucking the babyface and sing his song. Hey, original Ring of Honor fans, the ones that didn't like me, how you liking Tony's Ring of Honor? A, a bad fuck finish With a a fucking WWE style match and beating one of the favorite talents that's ever come through the Ring of Honor doors all in the same 15 minutes. Your thoughts, Brian Last. I want to ask you a
1: question about this to to play devil's advocate in a second, but to something we've talked about for a little while now, you and I, because you and I have never really seen Claudio the same way. And this is exactly why. This is my problem right here. Whenever, even in WWE and now here, Whenever it seems like he's getting an opportunity, getting a chance, whether it's with a belt or with a push, it's yanked away right away. And I know that's probably not what Tony's intention was here, but that's the way it feels. I was just starting (laughs) to be able to invest in this guy. His new career, his new name here in AEW, (laughs) gets this title. It's already gone. So now Chris Jericho could be a world champion. (laughs) I wasn't crazy about the match. But the people, they were crazy to
0: pop for a title change. Jim, I want to ask you a question. You know, there had to, just by process of elimination and the odds, there had to be a title change since wasn't every single match they presented for some kind of championship?
1: Just about. Because when I had the graphic with the two wrestlers on each side, there was like a belt behind them and every single one of them I noticed.
0: So everybody gets
1: one. Go ahead, ask me. To play devil's advocate. If you're Tony Khan, you're trying to get a television deal for Ring of Honor. You're trying to revive this promotion. You're trying to not let it die and bring it back. You're trying to just keep it going until you can get something on the air. And you're trying. And he's admitted it. He's talked to executives at Warner Brothers Discovery. Does that make putting the title on Chris Jericho a smart move? If you're trying to get a television deal for this brand with Chris Jericho as the world champion, Chris Jericho, who loves publicity, Chris Jericho, who will do an interview with anyone. Chris Jericho, who will just always be out there. Chris Jericho, a name that a network executive may know. Does that make putting the belt on him a
0: good idea? No, because Jericho is still 50 years old and ain't going to have a Ring of Honor match. The same things could be said for putting the Ring of Honor title on Brian fucking Danielson. And then you would have an actual Ring of Honor wrestler who went on to achieve great heights in the WWE and everybody's universally respected and everybody knows who he is. And he can work the style still to this day because he's smart and talented. And every existing Ring of Honor fan would accept that. And every AEW fan who maybe had not even ever seen Ring of Honor or gave a shit about it would go, okay, Brian Danielson, all right, this is going to go somewhere that would that would solve the problem of a name that a tv executive would know that has been used even more prominently in the biggest promotion in the world than chris jericho more recently so it's just it's i understand want to put a name or want to put the belt on a name not that name because he don't fit you bring up the
1: ring of honor fan what what is the ring of honor fan now because the Ring of Honor fan, when they first started up, obviously changed a little bit by the time you got there full-time, and then that fan changed a little bit by the time the Young Bucks were running shit, and then that fan had to have changed a little bit after that because everything changed when all that talent left. Who is the modern Ring of Honor fan, and is it even the same fan that was there in 2002?
0: I don't know. With Over the last few years... You know, and there's not just a specific Ring of Honor fan that doesn't watch any other wrestling besides Ring of Honor. However, at least at one point, I know because I was privy to the numbers, in the early 2000 teens, just adding up all the syndicated television that Ring of Honor had, you had between 500,000 and a million people watching the show on some station somewhere in this country at some time in the course of a week. And yes, most of them watched other wrestling programs, but the reason why they were watching Ring of Honor and the reason why, especially the the New York and Toronto and Chicago crowds that came in decent numbers and paid for the time, you know, decent ticket prices, they wanted to see the best independent guys. They wanted to see, at the time, either TNA or WWF had pretty much all of the major talent and named talent locked up. But here were these guys that were the best on the Indies the Samoa Joes, the Davy Richards, Eddie Edwards, Roderick Strong, Jay Lethal, Briscoes, on and on. Chris Hero, Claudio at the time. And we can go on and on. And they were having great athletic, hard hitting moves or uh, matches. They were doing all the big moves, but there was an element of professionalism to it that when we tried to insist on the guys not fucking hurt themselves whenever possible, and that's what that fan base wanted to see. And they're not gonna they can get that out of Danielson, they ain't gonna get that out of Jericho. And if you bought the company and you're putting it on your television and you want to try to make something out of it that's in any way different than what you're already doing. If it's not going to be different than AEW, then why is he fucking doing it? Just concentrate on AEW. But if you wanted to, to preserve the legacy of the promotion, get that half a million fans or whatever the fuck it is, or just have a different style of wrestling, presented where you can have some of the guys that might not fit in aew maybe they would fit in ring of honor or vice versa it's got to be some difference so why are you going through all this if you're if you're not going to follow through with that it doesn't make sense he's just collecting belts collecting promotions nothing wrong with collecting video libraries but putting all of these belts and all these new titles and new champions on their existing show when they got too many to begin with and then just make Ring of Honor a promotion with the same people in it that are in AEW. It, 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 it,
1: what the fuck? It's not the same people. It's some of the same people. And then the people who Tony still has under contract, but he doesn't really want in his locker room, like Cole Cabana
0: and Brian Cage. Well, there you go. So cast-offs, wannabes, misfits, gypsies, tramps, and thieves, whatever. Speaking of cast-offs and misfits... The AEW tag team title was on the line. The Acclaimed against Swerve and Keith Lee. And there were people in the corners. Swerve and Keith Lee had a guy named Fabulous. And Acclaimed had not only Daddy Ass, but a guy named DJ Who. And apparently, DJ Who and Fabulous were sitting together with each other. Because they got a camera shot of them together, the opposing friends. I don't know. Okay. Everybody's going to want me to do the caster rap. I'm not going to do it, and here's why. I was trying, but I couldn't never over the crowd and on the audio hear his first line when I was trying to write it down. And I said, you know what? I will just come out. The best line was that Swerve and Keith Lee looked like a 20-ounce and a 2-liter of Pepsi. <laughs> um. That's how the story goes. It's more like swerving a glory hole. Holy, I never thought we'd get glory hole on wrestling television, but we did. Um, it was an interesting episode. We got prick on TV, but shit was bleeped. Shit was bleeped. <laughs> um, this match, obviously, was the one that the people were waiting for. The acclaimed, at least one of them is from New York people were waiting to see the belts change hands. They should have changed hands at the pay-per-view two weeks ago, as we mentioned, but acclaimed have really, you know, the people have decided we like them. And I wanted this to be good for them. And unfortunately, and I'm not sure whose fault it was, but I don't think it was the acclaims, but this could have been a lot better. And, first of all they gave him the corpse referee wasn't there used to be a rule for the new york state athletic commission after you're 55 years old you couldn't get a license
1: oh i don't know there was there were some really old ass bad awful referees sent from the athletic commission that i think were older than 55 so no
0: that's you know what i'm i've got it in reverse california you couldn't get a license after you were 55 that's why blassie went to new york well, anyway, I, whoever gives a license to Rick Knox ought to be shot. Here's the problem with this match. Keith Lee and Swerve are not only not a good tag team because they haven't been teaming up very long, but also they're not very experienced, at apparently, at tag team wrestling entirely. They're a heel tag team with baby faces that are over like God in this big crowd. They should have been shining them like a brand new penny from the start. But at the start, they worked it like a generic match without those, you know, built in fucking pluses, having your baby faces over like God and having a big crowd. And Keith Lee starts overpowering everybody. At at one point, the acclaimed went to scissor each other because they got one over on Keith Lee and swerved the heel, drop-kicked both of them from behind, made the babyfaces look like idiots, and that was a break spot. So the the heel team should have been out there calling everything they could figure out where they could be bumped ass over tea kettle for these two guys for the first segment and then uh, get a heat spot to the break, but there was no tag team work in the whole first segment. Then they come back and they're getting heat on Castor. But then Castor makes his own full comeback. He didn't start a false comeback and then make a tag. He made his own comeback and then tagged Bowens. And Bowens kept it going. More comeback, but he never even went for a false finish one time before the heels then stopped him. This is the heels are greener than pepper trees and the baby faces. Are apparently listening to what they have to say. So then, Bowen's foiled a double team move, but Keith Lee stopped him again and beeled him over the top rope to the ramp, which was a hell of a bump. And then choke slammed Max Castor, but then Keith Lee missed a moonsault, and everything came to a fucking halt. And then they set up apparently. Somebody was in the wrong spot and finally they got it back. Swerve grabbed the boombox and was going to hit Caster, but Caster moved and Swerve hit Keith Lee. And of course, Knox, the shitty referee, was leaning out of the ring for some specious reason, so he couldn't see it. But since Swerve lost his grip on the boombox, When he hit Keith Lee with it, it bounced off and went over the referee's head and landed on the floor outside the ring in front of him. So he had to ignore a giant portable stereo being flung across his head and and down in front of him. Then here's where something happened, and I'm still trying to figure out what. It wasn't that bad a match to this point because even though it could have been better with an experienced heel team knowing what they were doing to call some shit, They hadn't really fucked up Royally yet. Except for the shitty referee. But then Bowens came off the top and hit the blockbuster, and Caster was coming off the top to go, what does he call his elbow? The mic check? Mic drop. Mic drop. He was coming off the top of the other turnbuckle for the mic drop. And because of the camera shot was on Keith Lee laying there, you suddenly saw caster jump off the top you saw him come in from the top of the of the picture frame and land on both feet and apparently tweaked his knee now you shouldn't land on both feet like that going for an elbow the only time I've seen anybody do that, going for an elbow off the top and land like that, was Shawn Michaels against Vader at SummerSlam '96 when Leon forgot to roll out of the way, and that's what Michaels started kicking him in the head for and yelling and cussing for him, kept cussing him for. Point is, Caster didn't drop the elbow; he landed on both feet and hurt his knee, and it looked legitimate. Because for no reason, he then dropped down, sold it, and rolled out of the ring, and there was conversation going on, and Bowens covered Keith Lee for a two-count. And then everything stopped. And so I'm saying, did Keith Lee, was he supposed to move? And he didn't move, and Castor pulled up and landed and tweaked his knee. The whole thing was screwy. So at that point then, everything stops. There's some conversation. You see people yelling, then Castor and Bowens grab Keith Lee, but he shoves them both off and tags out. That's why I think they were telling him something. And then Swerve comes in, and somehow Castor then climbs to the top rope with the bad leg, but he's trying not to put weight on the leg. Now, if the leg's not hurt and he's selling it, then it makes absolutely no fucking sense whatsoever in the context of this match. So I think that somebody fucked up. Keith Lee didn't move. He landed on his fucking feet, trying to pull up, hurt his knee. They started calling audibles. How do we get out of this? He climbs to the top with one leg. Swerve stops him. I wrote, what the fuck are they doing? Swerve tried to fireman's carry a one-legged man off the turnbuckle into Keith Lee hitting the ropes and giving him a pounce. But since... The guy's got one leg. It He just crumpled in a heap. And the crowd started booing. And then I was getting embarrassed for everybody. And then they powerbombed Castor and got a two count. And then Bowens pulled Castor to the floor. And I wrote, God, why don't they go home? And then Swerve, the, the heel, wipes both of the baby faces out on the floor with a flip dive over the top rope. And then Swerve and Billy Gunn faced off, and Billy Gunn, the babyface manager, gave the heel a Famouser on the floor, rolled him in, and then Castor did the elbow off the top where he doesn't land on his fucking feet like that. One, two, three. Big pop because the people wanted to see him win desperately. They dropped the confetti. The match at the pay-per-view stole the fucking show and was great. And the people were going out of their minds and they had the magic moment and they fucking fumbled it. And then they come back two weeks later to try to rectify that and make the magic again. And I don't know if the people in the building noticed it, but this match goddamn fell completely apart to the point where I was hurt for the guys involved and wanted to see and and it's not the acclaimed fault i don't know how or why caster hurt his knee but it the match wasn't good then because lee and swerve are a rotten heel team that called no teamwork spots or any kind of shine for them and the crowd wanted to love it but it fell apart and the acclaimed were the if anybody noticed, I mean, maybe everybody's just so happy they won the belts, but I felt bad that their big moment of triumph was rotten and and like I said, it mostly wasn't their fault, and then, before you say anything, we go back for an interview in the back with f t r who get a sixty second fucking backstage promo. They still want a tag title match, but they got ten words out, and the gun boys. Come in and make fun of them and are wise asses to them, and then walk off and leave FTR standing there, and FTR gets no response. So now, just so we're all keeping track, the time has passed. FTR will now not be the AEW World Tag Team champions while they're the Ring of Honor and New Japan and AAA champions. Because the now it makes no sense. The new champions, the acclaimed, are baby faces and nobody wants to see them lose the buckaroos got their way now if there's a rubber match the third match between the young bucks and FTR the bucks will win if they still indeed work for this company by that point because now it won't be the big important pay-per-view main event match where FTR wins the rubber match and gets all the tag team titles and fulfills what the people wanted to see three months ago. Because now the people have realized they're never going to see what they wanted to see, so now they've latched onto the acclaimed. Now they've got the belts, and it would make no sense whatsoever for FTR to wrestle the acclaimed because it would damage FTR's standing with their fans that they've gotten over with to take the belts away from the new team that the fans have gotten over. And now the perfect excuse then for the Bucks to win the third match, if they ever book it, and if they come back to work here, is exactly that. Well, it's not for all four belts now, so who gives a shit? So they win in the end. And FTR's back there getting punked out by the gun boys. Your thoughts on this whole mess, Brian? I don't think there'll be a third match, let me start by saying that. I was enjoying it, although it was sloppy,
1: and then it got really sloppy. When Max Caster came off the rope, either selling his knee or it seemed more likely tweaking his knee, I reacted kind of the same way the room did. Like, oh, no. And it killed the match. And they tried to do stuff to get it back. One of the worst things about planning out spots in your head and then convincing other people to do it is when they don't work at all. And whatever that spot was where they were going to have Keith Lee run into Caster, I mean, even if it had worked, it wasn't going
0: to work. I mean, it just wasn't going to work. No, I've I've set up and, and or been involved with a lot of tag team matches. And I can just tell you that anybody that knew what the fuck they were doing at that point in time, with whether the guy was hurt badly or just tweaked or whatever, with things going that way, they would have eliminated that and they would have gotten straight to the fucking finish to the meat of the matter and got out there before they got any more on them. But they didn't. And that's what happened. Well, one last
1: comment, and you can tell me if I'm fair or unfair with this. The Acclaim went over. They should have gone over at the pay-per-view, but they went over here. They were prepared this time. They had all that pink confetti everywhere. (laughs) Any problem with the Acclaim's big victory but with the finish of it being Billy Gunn hitting his maneuver on the floor and then rolling the guy in, the fact that he played so prominent in the finish of the match that it wasn't just the acclaim going over on their own and then celebrating with their manager even if he had done something earlier in the match?
0: Well, I, w- I would bring up more of that except that I'm not sure that, it, was that an audible? Was that Billy going, Jesus Christ, are they ever going to fucking come to a conclusion here? Let me just do this. And then, I don't know because it was so fucked up. Nobody would have called that finished to happen the way that it happened. Even if they'd hit all the moves, right? Something was wrong there. Something happened. I don't know what the fuck. So yes, that wasn't the thing is the heels didn't cheat for Billy to be a tit for tat situation. The, the baby faces were down on the floor, both of them with their backs turned to their opponent. The heel does a fancy flip over the top rope and, you know, blisters all the fucking baby faces. And then Billy gets the opportunity to fucking hit the guy and roll him in. So yeah, it, it, no, none of this was good. <laughs> the, remember at the pay-per-view match when they hit that fucking big double team, a did for a two count. I said, my God, if they had hit it right there, that had been the biggest finish in history. That should have been the fucking finish. None of this shit should have been the finish. I don't know what they called and what they just had to do on the fly but this certainly was not the way they intended to do it. Any thoughts on Keith Lee and swerve as a heel tag team? Uh, yeah, they're rotten. Um, swerve attitude wise. I mean, I like swerve his look, the attitude, the promo Keith Lee is starting to just annoy me with that fucking weird look. His smile, he gets on his face and the lilting voice and the shit sniffing (laughs) look and the whole nine yards. But, but they have no is Keith Lee ever been a heel before well he, he was a babyface in NXT wasn't he I don't know maybe they just need experience but no this match was it was rotten from the start to a discerning eye at looking at it as somebody who okay I managed the greatest tag team heel tag team in the business at one point at that particular point in time what would they have done for these green baby faces to give them the best match and get them over in front of the big crowd Lee and Swerve did none of it because they don't know how. But we move on. Tony Schiavone was on the stage with Wheeler Useless who got two words out, thank goodness, and MJF's music plays. And the big pop, and he comes out doing the fucking Fargo strut. The devil has arrived. The people are chanting MJF, MJF. And of course, he says, since he leans into it, since... Since I'm the devil and you love me, you're my loyal devil worshipers. Hey, Tony, you fat old prick. He's got the picture. Last week he was yelling and he was mad at everybody. MJF is a smart ass. He's an obnoxious, smart ass, a conniving, cheating, lying, smarmy, all these things. He belittled old Wheeler. He called himself a god to the fans. They would drink my spit. (laughs) And every man in this building would let me sleep with their wife, but I won't because I have standards. And, I mean, he just, he was on. He was in control of the whole thing. And old Useless tried as hard as he could to engage verbally And apparently, he was mentioning MJF's engagement. He just got engaged. It was on social media. And he tried to tie that into the promo, and he basically turned the fucking people against him. You did, (laughs) because, because he's not good enough to do that. He's not a good enough public speaker or promo maker or whatever the fuck to do that. But then, finally, thankfully, MJF took back over and saved the whole thing and he knocked Danielson and knocked Moxley and knocked Regal, said, hey, maybe he can teach you how to pop pills and Yuta slaps him. And then MJF headbutts Yuta and shoves Tony down. Tony tried to take a bump. My God. I know Tony's a year or two older than me, but Jesus, I could still go down. I just wouldn't be able to get back up fast. But Tony couldn't go down. He had to He had to stop and bend over and put his hand down so he could get down to one knee. Anyway, um, while that happened, then Uda got back on MJF and here comes the seven-foot Greg Allman, W. Morrissey, and pulls Uda off and then MJF nailed Uda with the diamond ring and laid him out. But this should have been in a baseball stadium instead of a tennis stadium because MJF hit one out of the park. That was a home run. That was and the and it's it's New York, they're gonna like him anyway, and he went ahead and went with it, and he's a smart ass to everybody. And the point is whether you like him or you hate him, you nobody's ambivalent. And every time he goes out there, whether it's verbally or in the ring sparingly, you don't see him wrestle much, but you get gold out of it in some fashion. It's worth watching. So whether they're gonna like him or hate him. They can't take their eyes off of him. And that's that's nature boy Buddy Rogers level type of stuff there where it doesn't matter whether they like you or they hate you. They just got to see you. What'd you think? You know,
1: if you want to get booed, just have them go out there with W. Morrissey every week. That'll, <laughs> that'll do the trick. Yuna was awkward as hell on the mic. And obviously, I didn't know where they were going at first. And then MJF came out to the big, massive hometown pop. Yeah. He's one of the few captivating people on that show. He always delivers on the mic. I don't know what Yuda was trying to say to him that wouldn't make him seem like just a dick, but it made you sympathetic. It made him seem like a dick. Yeah. yeah, it made you sympathetic for MJF and his poor fiance.
0: <laughs> I mean, it was great. Beat up Shivani. I love it. Uh, yeah, yeah, but they got to be careful with that because that's a, that's a money angle if you haven't done it. Now they've done it. Attack an announcer. That's what I was going to say. Attacking the now. They only did it what once to Gordon Soley in Georgia, right? Um, well, he wasn't even attacked. He was just he was snatched. Yeah. And and uh, Roddy Piper switched babyface to come to his rescue. And Lance Russell, the only, the only time I can ever think of Lance being physically touched was that time with the Dream Machine when he came out and he was supposed oh, to come and. That's amazing. He was supposed to come and snatch you know Lance by the. Lapel and yell at him, but when he was coming so fast, and there that the TV desk was on a raised platform, and it was right behind Lance. So when Lance got shoved slightly backwards, his feet tripped on that platform, and he went down. And my God, you could almost hear the sound of guns cocking in the studio. Nobody had ever physically manhandled Lance, and Jared got hot, and everybody got hot in the back. And Dreams like he tripped. I didn't mean it. I didn't mean it. Anyway. That is one of my favorite things ever because
1: it comes right after they play Alley Oop. Yes. <laughs> which is just this, like, you know, Alley And it's just Dream Machine dancing and kicking. The Hollywood
0: and- Argyles. He had, just, he had turned heel and it was a, there was a video of Lawler and a video of Dream for their big match. But the video of Lawler was him beating everybody and the video of Dream was him <laughs> hitting the ropes and tripping or getting foiled or taking bumps or whatever. Alley Oop. There's a man in the funny papers. We all know Alley Oop. The Hollywood Argyles. That's right. Written by Kim Fowley.
1: But they come back to the studio and Lance is just kind of laughing. And Dream Machine comes running in there. And he throws him down. But while they all come out there to get Dream Machine, even Jimmy Hart's like trying to get him off Lance. He grabs the mic. And I've heard wrestlers say, I'm going to kill you. And you kind of don't believe him. You believe him. He's like,
0: Lala, I'm going to kill you. But you totally believe you he's going to kill You not do this to, to me. You made me look like a fool, boy. anyway so with the after tony had been shoved down by mjf and everybody was concerned about him they pitched to a vtr from earlier today with tony interviewing jane cargill and the baddies and they actually had to say well earlier today when he was all right they wrote the fucking format ahead of time you would think somebody noticed anyway That's where they bleeped Jane saying cut the shit. And why is she still saying that if they've already been warned about language and there's no use in it? It means nothing to say the word shit to the announcer who hasn't got any shit to cut. And apparently Jane's got two girls there with her. Well, then Diamante came in and says she's got her girl Trina with her and Trina is the baddest bitch. Who are all these fucking people? Have you ever... Who is Trina? (laughs) Has she been on this program before? Has she been mentioned? She looked like a goddamn middle-aged hairstylist. And uh, so... So Jane and her baddies are having a match, or Jane is having a match with Diamante on Rampage, I guess, with her bad bitch Trina... And Trina said, hey, you want some of me? Who the fuck is Trina? <laughs> are we supposed to know who Trina is? Uh, you got me with who the fuck are these people? <laughs> are all of these people? Uh, Trina is a rapper. She's a rapper too. What the fuck? They had six rappers in this one program. Does anybody not know a goddra- goddamn rock and roll star? Can we get a, a, a anybody a bluegrass? Anything? Bluegrass. Bluegrass. Bring Bill Monroe in and the bluegrass boys. Maybe you can get Steve Martin. There you go. At least people know who the fuck he is. Line Steve Martin up next to fucking Trina. Who the fuck is Trina? There's Steve Mar- Who's that standing there next to Steve Martin?
1: <laughs> How would Jay Cargill and her baddies deal with Diamante with Steve Martin and his banjo in her corner. I tell you, hey, Steve Martin's
0: a—he'll a, kick your ass too. It's a wild and crazy guy. All right. Well, they from that interview with Tony Schiavone conducting it with all these people, we don't know who the fuck they are. They go back to the desk, and Tony's back at the desk, and there's, are you okay, Tony? He's like, I'm okay. And the Atlantic title was on the line, pockets against pack. 15 minutes of national TV time for pockets versus pack. Then we move on to the interim women's championship. Now, this is not the real women's championship, it's just the interim women's championship. Four way Britt Baker versus Athena versus Tony Storm versus Serena Deeb. And I watched the first two minutes of this and Here's what I got out of it. It was awkward, contrived. It was a routine done by numbers at 100 miles an hour with no change of pace or momentum and no logic. And I wrote, somebody's going to get hurt. And then I skipped ahead for a while. And then I tried to find a finish. And I noticed that Britt Baker was bleeding. So I backed up a bit. And the prophecy came true. Athena, who I've mentioned, besides, I don't get the whole deal. She's awful low slung. She's got a low center of gravity. She lands on people hard. She looks stiff. And I don't get the whole fucking presentation. But she apparently, well, not apparently, I saw her do it. She fireman's carried Britt Baker. So she's got Britt up on her shoulders in a fireman's carry. And then Serena runs and tries to cross body her, and she catches Serena like in a slam position. Except, cause what they were going here, Serena put her head to the left instead of the right, like she'd be slammed. But she caught her anyway. You can envision this. She's got Serena like for a a sack of shit slam. The what are the what do they call it? I call it the sack of shit because that's what Hall called it when he. Used to do it as Razor. The Razor's Edge. No, not the Razor's Oh, no, the that, thing was the, up that was a, the. Yeah, that's right. The Fall Away Slam. The Fall Away Slam. So she got Brit on her shoulders and and Serena in her arms, and she's going to do a Fall Away Slam and throw both of them backwards. In case you're wondering why you don't see that often, it's because it don't fucking work. Because again, the, this girl, I'm sure she said, I'm strong enough to pick y'all both up. And here's how I expect gravity to work and y'all just take the bump and it don't work that way. When she had Britt Baker on her shoulders to drop somebody backwards from a fireman's carry like that, the safest thing to do is hook their left arm. So when you fall backwards, they go with you flat instead of sliding off your back. But she couldn't hook Britt Baker's left arm because she was too busy having Serena in a slam position. So, so, so Britt Baker was holding on to her with her right arm, but there's no way to keep that grip when they're going backwards. So, as a and some producer, if they bothered to share this ill-conceived plan with them, should have gone no, that won't work. And here's why. But what happened was basically when she got, starts to go backwards, old Athena. Britt Baker's got no way. She can stay on the shoulders when Athena's straight up, but she's already, Athena has let go of her and she's falling backwards and Britt Baker is upside down and has slipped off Athena's back and Athena just took a flat back bump straight on fucking Britt Baker's face and broke her fucking nose. So she got another broken nose. Ruby Soho's out with a broken nose. Uh, and, well, Britt Baker's already had one, hadn't she? Yeah, she had surgery for it, I believe. Yeah. Well, hope she kept the doctor's card. Um. So anyway, there's no way to do that the way they wanted to do it. Gravity doesn't work that way, but they tried it. And then, for the finish, Tony Storm beat Baker. And then Baker got heat on Storm and wiped some of her blood on her. At least she leans into these things. Jamie Hayter runs down like she's going to make a save and joins Britt Baker in beating up Tony Storm. And they beat up the babyfaces forever. And then finally music played. And as soon as the word Soraya came up on the screen, the place went ballistic because I don't even know if they would have cheered if that had happened in a WWE building because nobody, none of the WWE fans would have known Probably what Paige's real name was. Well, maybe the most devoted. But these fans, they're the smart ones. They knew it was Paige. And boy, the place comes apart, and the heels bail out of the ring, and the fans go crazy, and Paige walks into the ring and walks around the ring and smiles at the people. And that was it. So she's here, but has she been cleared to wrestle? If she hasn't been cleared to wrestle, then what's she going to do here? Because she had history in the WWE. They wanted her to be an ambassador. The movie that came out, they wanted her to promote that. There was things outside the ring that she could do there. What can she do outside the ring here if she's not cleared to wrestle? And if she has been cleared to wrestle, then why did the WWE let her get away? She's not with Alberto Del Maniac anymore. She's not, you know, the fucking, he's not shoving the Colombian marching powder up her fucking schnoz anymore. She's not having public meltdowns. So if she was cleared to wrestle and could wrestle, how did the WWE let her get away? If she's not been cleared to wrestle, and we have never heard that that was the case in the past, what three or four years that she's been out? Then what's she gonna do here? Your thoughts? I'll bet Tony didn't even ask her to take a physical before
1: signing her, based on what the way Tony t- does things.
0: What kind of fucking moron would you have? To, that would be like, so okay, Christopher Reeve. We'd like to sign you to wrestle for us. The most famous, publicized injury of the past five years—what one of them would have to be Pages and that she was not only out after surgery but then came back to wrestle and just took a double-footed kick to the back and was down and unable to move and has been disqualified from wrestling ever since, you would have to be a complete lunatic to sign a wrestler under those circumstances without having them check to see if they can wrestle. So what's going on here? And boy, I'll tell you another thing, if Paige paid close attention to that match, he's got to be thinking, holy fuck, this is worse than a shoot. I don't want to get involved with these people. I'll go back up to the other place and be safely paralyzed instead of this shit looks like it hurts. Well, anyway,
1: the place went nuts for her, like you said. Yes. Now, this was an audience that was looking for surprises. Tony Khan had said there would be surprises on the show, so people were expecting it. And she did have a lot of goodwill with wrestling fans, because when WWE first started treating women's wrestling seriously, she was one of the stars in NXT before they even brought her up to the main roster. So to the longtime fans of women's wrestling, it means something to them that she's there. Now, the question of what she could do, I can't imagine she could wrestle. She was a commissioner of sorts, or what GM, I think, for Raw for one of their shows, or SmackDown. I don't know if it's that. Now we have heard that Tony trademarked all. What was it? All elite women. All elite
0: women. And he needs some more of them, then doesn't he? Because he's got a lot of women, but most of them aren't elite. And here's the thing: if she if she's had the this injury history, these able bodied girls are fucking hospitalizing themselves on a regular basis. You
1: know, I think the bigger issue is that the women's division is a mess. The booking of it is a mess. The management of it is a mess. Too many people getting hurt. Too many people being allowed to go in the ring and do things that, you know, I hate to steal from Dusty, but things that don't know how to do. An idea that just doesn't work. The matches fall apart. I mean, Hater's good. And Serena's good. I mean, there's a few... Britt's got a great personality, but if she's in there with the wrong person, she gets hurt. If she's in there with the right person, she has a good match. The whole division is a mess. I mean, I don't... I almost hope there really is a dedicated show for Tony to have just the women's division and try to trim away some of the fat, try to help some of the people that need to get better and try to do this right. Because just throwing these matches in the middle of the show, they kill the audience. It's every show. They kill the audience. It's every single dynamite. At what point do you recognize that and go, you know what? The way we're doing this is not working, even if we're going to get a big pop. Go bring up Bull you get a big pop. Bring in anyone. You'll get a big pop. But it has to be bigger than that. You have to have a purpose to your division. Right now, there's none.
0: Well, and here's the thing also. All Elite Women, Ring of Honor, AEW. AEW's got two TV shows. Nobody watches one of them anymore because it's an afterthought. Ring of Honor is a promotion that exists in Tony's mind and in some segments of his television program. Now they want to do a whole program based on one of the worst women's divisions in modern history. Good luck with all of that. Anyway, it's time for the main event because we have been waiting for literally days now to see who the new AEW champion is going to be this week. And ladies and gentlemen that came down to the final of the tournament of champions, Moxley the plumber against Danielson the wrestler. And we knew who we were betting on and I've got to be honest. I got to hand it to Brian Danielson. John Moxley stayed in the ring for the entire match, except one spot on the ramp and right back in, and nobody bled. Is this the first time ever? Is this the first Moxley match you can ever remember seeing where he didn't fight on the floor at all, much less within minutes? And is it the first one we can remember in how long Reed and didn't bleed? Well, maybe he heard Triple H's comments and he's planning his future. I have a feeling that that future is probably going to be here or home, one or the other. I don't know if he's going to go back in the other direction. Uh, but anyway, the, you know, again, this was a stiff match. It was a modern style match. I could have done with a hold every once in a while, you know, some wrestling one tackle drop down hip toss kickoff arm drag body slam drop kick anybody do that shit anymore but no they beat the shit out of each other chops and kicks chops and kicks and Danielson looks better doing it than Moxley does to be honest but this is the modern match it was good it was it was a fucking five-star extravaganza from what Moxley usually does it was pretty good for Danielson He's always good. He worked little subtle heel. I did get a kick out of him doing the old leg grapevine and headstand thing, where they'd slap each other in the face while they were standing on their heads. I haven't seen that in twenty five years. That that's Mexican in origin, right? That's a lucha spot. Either that or world of sport. I'm trying to think who the first people I saw do it. It, it was. I think it was it was maybe a Hector Guerrero thing, but nevertheless. They did a million kicks and stomps, and they went back and forth. And they, Danielson would go for his label lock, Moxley would try to do his shit, and finally they went right down to the nub. And again, I'm not taking any piss out of this match. Uh, it definitely was great for Moxley and good for Brian. And finally, they, um, Moxley hit the double arm thing that he does, where sometimes it's a Suplex and sometimes it's a DDT on the ramp. Rolled Danielson in, got a two count, got a rear choke on him. Danielson kicked off the buckle. Moxley held on to the choke, and my DVR froze because <laughs> they either ran over or they were just desperately low on time. But we know that Moxley ended up emerging victorious. And was it moments after that or did they go a while? It was after that. He won with the choke. Okay, so that was it. And they. So they just get right down to the nub. That used to drive Vince out of his mind. Because he wants, if if there's a big finish in a big main event match, he wants time for that beauty shot. And to, to have the announcers reinforce it in time to breathe. He hates to just go right off. But that was that. The grand slam, as they say. Brian, what were your thoughts on that big main event extravaganza?
1: You know it just wasn't for me. I haven't enjoyed a Danielson match in quite some time. I just I just haven't enjoyed any of it. I think a lot of it's just that chopping shit nonstop. Yeah. And the matches don't seem as creative as they used to. His matches were always creative, and I just feel like they're not as creative. Moxley works typically one match, and I don't like that match. He worked more danielson stuff here than anything else but i'm just not a fan of moxley he's maybe my least favorite wrestler there although i understand his importance to the company
0: and everything yeah and, and, and i give brian a little more slack because number one you can't get much more out of moxley and number two it's not his fault again when he was that wise-ass technical heel as a single it, it was to the moon. It was fucking great. And now, like you said, for the past however long, it's been the Blackpool Combat Club and the group and the elbows and the blah, and, and they've made him... Boring. As, boring, boring to me. Yeah, boring.
1: Boring to me. Uh, and it wasn't like that not too long ago. I think overall, I just have a problem right now with AEW's TV. I mean, I've critiqued them forever, so everyone's going to go, like, oh, you've always had a problem. <laughs> but lately, I've just... I'm really down on it. I mean, I love the stuff with MJF. He delivers in his segments. I've enjoyed watching the rise of the acclaim. We still don't know what the fuck's going on with FTR. Why have they been penalized for... Why have they been penalized and for what? Because why aren't they on TV? Why does their momentum keep getting cut off where either Dax is in a singles match or they come out, they get a big pop, and then they do nothing with him or they bury him in a six-man but they're not on this show. The women's matches are killing these shows every single fucking week. They're killing the women. I don't you didn't watch Pack and Orange Cassidy, I did. Of course not. And it was exactly what you would have expected. If you're an Orange Cassidy fan, it was exactly what you would have expected. He did all the moves he always does. He did his little kick spot. Pack had some amazing spots where he would take a bump and look like he was broken in half but it was against orange Cassidy at the hands of this fucking clown. And guess what? The fans aren't reacting to him as much as they used to. You know, he's as big a face of AEW as anyone. When you really think about it, he's been all over that TV more than probably even the executive vice presidents.
0: Orange Cassidy is a face of AEW television. If they took a chimpanzee and shaved its ass, made it walk backwards.
1: Jericho's stuff has been incredibly lame the stuff with him and daniel garcia has just been childish it's made daniel garcia look from a young guy that could maybe get into a fight to a young guy who mentally is a child
0: he's on the same level as as briggs and stratton over on nxt that can't get laid because the guy's scared to talk to women
1: they brought claudio in they had an original plan for him it didn't work out so then they put him in the blackpool combat club they start rebuilding him after years of being misused on WWE TV. So now he drops his belt right away. They have a trio's title they introduced that no one was clamoring for. They already had. Well, there, there was one
0: trio was clamoring for it.
1: One trio and one uh, owner <laughs> was clamoring for it who wanted more belts. The whole company's a mess right now. The booking is the worst it's ever been. There's no direction anywhere, seemingly. Except for the MJF segments seem to have some sort of direction. The Stokely Hathaway promo last week was a disaster. Notice he was nowhere near this show this week. Oh, God, I didn't even think about it, poor old Stokely. But they need, it's just, it's not a good show. And yeah, they got the gate, but the crowd was down substantially in New York. And, you know, I look at some of the other famous examples of competitive wrestling products in the territory days or in Montreal, whatever you want to say. And when all of a sudden less people start showing up a year later, you got to worry. They can fix things. They just have to, but I don't know what they're going to do right now. It's really a hard, I think AEW
0: is a hard slog for me right now. Well, they got the gate and I'm about to give you all the gate. Cause my teeth are floating and I got a wee wee. Brian, any closing thoughts on anything? We will see you on the drive through more fun, more reviews and who knows what else. Goodbye. There you go. And for me, for Brian, and for everybody here at the Arcadian Vanguard, the wrestling news, the experience, the drive-thru, and Castle Cornet. thank you, fuck you, and bye-bye, everybody.
3: Wednesday nights I get to stay up late which Kenny Omega while I masturbate Hey mom, I need to watch the show Meltzer says I'm in the key demo Meltzer says I'm in the key demo Jamila right at the top of the car He trained himself in his own backyard and This is shit everyone should get Well everyone except Jim Got Jerry Orange Cassidy and Michael Rio. Like Tony, I do fantasy poking. The title tournament, now we're cooking. And I can wait to hear what Tony has to say when Marco start goes all the way. Wednesday nights I get to stay up late. Watch Kenny Omega while I'm at Hey mom, don't come in Go away, I'm watching wrestling Go away, I'm watching wrestling This is wrestling heaven Don't listen to Courtney. he hasn't been relevant since 87 He thinks that Luchasaurus can't work a lick Or that Bobby Eaton could hold the camera to either Matt nick. He wants to cut up our heroes with a rusty fishing knife or get them in the hot tub to play the submarine with him and his wife. And no, mom, I'm not bitter. This has nothing to do with Jim blocking me on Twitter. And now, here comes Miro. Wearing pajamas like me, he's my hero. The young bucks could shoot on Buzz Sawyer. Make Rockless Lesnar take a Canadian destroyer. Come in, Mom! Don't come in! Are you touching yourself again? Uh, no. Change the Wi-Fi, guys, Oh no! Wednesday nights I get to stay up late. What can you make while I masturbate? Pay my mind to watch this show. Elser says I'm in the key demo. I am thirsty. single